You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and stud S. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. This show is going to be all about the Galveston 70.3 that just went down last weekend that I was in. I had a great race, and in the training log segment, we're going to uh, cover everything that I did leading up to the race, how I uh, how I executed the race, preparation. We have interviews with Emily and Kai, and it was a family weekend. It was a lot of fun, and in detail, um, fueling, pacing, gadgetry tools, um, who was there, and all kinds of great stuff. And we also have triathlon news with, I think this time we're going to do Morgan again, uh, because he and I talk on the phone all the time anyway. <laughs> so I just grabbed him for some triathlon news. And I think we'll, we're going to go back and forth between Morgan and uh, go Sonia. And let's see, um, just a little bit of stuff that's going on. I went into the uh, 70.3 with minimal taper because I'm actually training for for um, Ironman Texas, which is in about five more weeks now, uh, six weeks after race day, and picked up the um, the training as soon as I could, uh, just a day or two after the Iron after the 70.3 to get right back into uh, training mode. I treated the race. It was definitely a significant race. Like it was like an A minus B plus race for me. And um, while Texas Ironman Texas is a uh, is an A A plus an A race for me. So the um, the training log has just lots of detail and stuff like that. So the the weekend was like super super cool. I got um I got twenty first place in my age group and. I did significantly better on the bike with all the uh, Strong Like Bull uh, Spain uh, bike camp and um, put out a little bit more watts on the bike. And then the bike was, um, there was a nice tailwind on the bike, uh, at least half the way and, and not much of a headwind on the way back, more of a crosswind. The wind pattern, patterns changed as we uh, went through. And also, this podcast is going to have a lot of me um, being mobile because we are um, in heavy, heavy training mode for Ironman Texas, trying to get, let's see, um, you know, starting out at around 21 hours per week and then trying to grow it, you know, as much as possible. End goal is 27 and a half hours a week, which is hard, man. That's really, really hard. But something funny happened this morning. Kai does uh, triathlon practice. Which is just a couple nights. They have it like five nights a week. And we're like, that's too much for him right now. Because he's got soccer too. So we're like, soccer, homework, school, uh, triathlon practice. So we skip a lot of practices um, so that he's rested and we're not overworking him too much. But we did. Emily added up this morning. <laughs> it's Friday morning. Kai has already done eight and a half hours of, and he's nine years old, eight and a half hours of quote unquote training and practice this week and you know it's a it's kid stuff so it's a lot of playing around and it's not all you know full exertion soccer practice for nine-year-olds is you know mostly just on there but it is it's like time on their feet 
and it is exhausting after a while when you think about it. But it's um, it's really interesting with the the myth that as you get older, your metabolism slows down. They've done testing on people that are as active, that choose to be as active as um, kids. You know, they they play adult soccer and do triathlon and stuff. They have the exact same metabolism as teenagers and and whatever, as far as, you know, calories burned. And um, so we added up my hours this week, and I'm at 8 hours, 30 minutes, 37 minutes. So I'm only 7 minutes ahead of my 9-year-old, you know. And, And it's just fascinating that kids can do this much. And, um, and they don't even blink twice about it. You know, it's just time on your feet. And um, I talk about this more in the next few weeks, uh, this week and the next few weeks, that a significant portion of Ironman training isn't really, um, you know, trying so hard and running and biking in a straight line as fast as you can. It's, uh, you can kind of reframe your, uh, your mindset Hold on, I'm trying to I'm trying to do a left-hand turn here. That it's really just time on your feet. Because the volume is so important, it's not how hard you're trying, it's just to get going. You know? You don't have to run at race pace or at threshold or intervals or whatever. You just need to go out and run and just go jog. And it adds up because the more you do it, the faster you get without even really trying all that hard. And then also, uh Last night, Endurance Planet with Tawny Prezak released another talk with uh, Phil Maffetone. And it's just so nice to, to hear him talk. And he's, I love it when they do a podcast with him because uh, anytime he's on a podcast, because he's so relaxed, man. And it's a sign that he really knows what he's talking about. And it's, it, his thing is that you really need to pay attention to how your metabolism and how your um, body fuels itself and you can kind of work with that and you don't necessarily need tons of sugar and the, the 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 thing that I learned from him that I like toying around with is that you can um, well if you eat too many carbs it causes an insulin response ooh a Tesla cool squirrel it causes an insulin response which um, causes you to need more carbs so it causes a downward spiral crash so while you're training I talk about this during the training log and also during my fueling review of Galveston 70.3 that while you're while you're training if if you eat too many carbs for what you're doing it temporarily raises your blood sugar with insulin. Insulin has an, also a side effect where it turns off your, um, your fat-burning metabolism. So it further propagates needing more carbs because you've raised your insulin. And then it's kind of like an out-of-control um, death spiral, like I said earlier, of needing more and more carbs, and then as you need more and more carbs to um, to fuel what you're doing, because you've turned off your fat burning, the insulin has turned off your fat burning. Well, then, sure, you know, eat more carbs, but then um, it starts to upset your stomach, and then it it makes you sick, and then you can't eat anything, and then you crash, right? So 
the um, listen into the training log where I talk about the run on this race and and uh, how that uh, comes into effect, and also how to train. I'm writing an article actually for somebody that I'll talk about later about how to pay attention to this and um, how to train in a way where that is your focus just the right amount of carbs for for you for right now for how fast you're going and not to use a formula but to use by feel and then that way you can do it all the time anytime and um, and it's portable you can take it with you everywhere and use it for anything that you're doing so there's that and we're going to get to the triathlon news here um yeah except i wanted to mention that it was super cool to find out that the at the uh, triathlon i got like I said, 21st place out of 340 finishers just in my age group. The male 40 to 44 age group is crazy. And I thought I had a remote chance of um, qualifying for uh, 70.3 Worlds. And I was kind of close, but at the same time, you know, just totally a world away because I got 21st place. I held back a little bit on the run to kind of experiment with uh, fueling and what I was doing for... Um, Ironman Texas, you know, this half Ironman was kind of a test run for math running and all that good stuff for Ironman Texas, and I got, so I ended up, uh, I was in 16th place starting on the run, and uh, I let it go up, and I finished up to uh, 21st place, and the first three people took all the slots for Worlds. And then there was a uh, roll down um, from another age group that didn't take it. Nobody in that age group took it. I don't know who it was. So they gave it to the 40 to 44. And then I found out the guy that took that was Dave Mira, who, so fourth, fourth place would have gotten me um, a slot to Worlds. Just fourth. That was it. And um, not 21st place like what I got. And Dave Mira is a BMX world champion, X Games world champion, uh, multiple times over. And he's just started doing triathlon. And um, I averaged uh, 24 miles per hour on the bike. And, I mean, you would think that that's pretty awesome. It's not. Dave Mira passed me at 26 miles per hour like I was standing still. I mean, it was crazy. And... It made sense after the race when I found out who that was that, oh, yeah, this guy has, um, you know, he's a bike uh, ninja. And <laughs> and then he ran a seven-minute mile, which is actually really, really cool. So he, um, there's an interview with him on Slow Twitch. Uh, and he says, you know, since he was a little kid, he biked 10 miles each way into town from whatever little town he, he grew up in into or whatever house he grew up in, into town, and uh, 10 miles each way. And so it's time uh, time on the bike, just pedaling and getting better and better and better at it that makes you a um, a uh, superstar cyclist when you, when you grow up. And uh, that's why I'm proud of Kai and him uh, biking everywhere. He bikes to school. And um, uh, the story behind Lance Armstrong is Lance used to bike or run or something like that, six miles each way to swim team practice and then bike home again. <laughs> when you hear stories like this, you're like, oh, okay. 
I see how this came together, you know. So, that's it. Let's get started with the triathlon news, and then we'll swap over to the training log. Here is Morgan. Here we go. All right, we are here with Morgan Christian. Howdy. How's it going? Howdy, howdy. Howdy. It's good. Howdy. Howdy, y'all. It's good. It's good. And he is going to do the news with us. And let's see, it is Sunday, middle of the day, early April. Got a bunch of little news stories here. And Kai is in the next room watching the regular show. Yeah. The episode where where uh, Mordecai and Rigby yeah. have to hang out for the first time with uh, oh uh, Muscle Man for a long time. Oh yeah. And his my mom the- jokes. <laughs> my mom. <laughs> you know you know who likes triathlon news? My mom. My mom. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so I walked by while I was grabbing my laptop, and I was watching that for a second. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, so which story do you want to start off with? We're doing a shared Google Doc, and we've got our stories oh, listed out. We got to start off. We got to look at the um, – we got to talk about this drone thing. Okay. <laughs> we got to talk, talk about this drone thing These- for sure. So a triathlete, where where was it? I forgot. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me pull up. Let me pull up the details on that one real quick. So um, why you do that? It's some, yeah. somewhere else. The <laughs> not in the US. <laughs> it was not. somebody that was pretty fast too. I think it hit a, a female, and I think her husband or boyfriend was getting in the process of getting second place in the exact same race or something like that. But anyway, um, there's this trend now where people are throwing drones up in the air with a camera to video the race. So you'll see lately and more in the future, maybe (laughs) after this, um, video footage from a race. It looks like it's taken by a helicopter, but yeah, there's a, there's a company here in San Diego that makes a pretty good drone and it's those. Um, and if you haven't seen one before, they're sort of like a, it's a hell, basically a helicopter with four, um, yeah, yeah. Or four rotors, sets of ropes on it, or something like that. Yeah, a quadcopter basically. And they're, you know, right now they're actually they're they're easy to fly. You can program them to uh, courses, and they're smart enough that when they start running low on battery, they come home. Well, yeah, which is kind of neat. So Some of them. The thing is, okay, so there's <laughs> imagine this one of them just hit this athlete in the head and I imagine they weigh quite a bit and there's blades flying everywhere and Some, she the, the apparently was bleeding and on the ground and had to be tended to by paramedics. And okay. So this is really, when you, when you step back a little bit and look at it, this is what's really going on. It's a new technology, right? Sounds cool. So pe- it's a gold rush, right? So people mm-hmm. are, if I had a drone, or if I was a race director, I would say, oh, cool, let's get a drone thing up in the air, right? And that's how much I would know about drones in the first place. Get a drone thing up in the air, and then we'll have cool video footage for next, so that more people will sign up next year, right? Okay, I wouldn't bother, I wouldn't know to ask um, if the drone, person operating the drone would... There's so much I wouldn't know, you know, like they're called a drone pilot 
and they actually should be like certified or something or licensed that they've there there is a license i think it's based on size yeah um, i would and know it to probably ask something like something. that not not yet right like in no you'd look around the room and be like hey you got a drone sweet let's sweet. put it in the air sweet let's put a gopro <laughs> on it right i wouldn't think any of that stuff right i wouldn't say how many hours of operation do you have i just go are you good at it and they'd be like yeah <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, so I was reading a thread on this, and somebody um, was saying that well, basically the technology is so new that that um, well, a lot of times the batteries will die so fast that they'll start indicating that they have a low battery, and then immediately start crashing to the ground. Yeah, bad power controller, things like that on board. Yeah, it's just that it's so new that it's. Um, it's uh, kind of the Wild West with these things. So the lesson is to, um, if you're thinking about using one of these in one of your races, or you hear that there's going to be one in your race, ask around and make sure that the person is certified and a pilot and knows what they're doing with this thing. And don't just assume, right? For a while. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's also some uh, conspiracy theories that the uh, drone was hacked. Yeah, um, in mid-flight crap. which well you, i mean yeah we, who who would think that something like a toy a flying toy could fail yeah you know but i hit myself i had a, i had a remote control helicopter for a while a big one uh-huh. and uh i hit myself with that thing once oh you did because I'm, I'm a retard <laughs> <laughs> and it hurt it really hurt and so i kept i was calling i wouldn't fly it with my kids around because the thing's like it's a flying lawnmower yeah and it is, i think it? these are a little bit safer but i mean if you think about it it's a bunch of it's a bunch of carbon fiber and aluminum flying around in the air plastic mm-hmm. flying around in the air and right it loses power it can drop out of the air or you lose control of it and it can fly sideways into somebody um and hit them while they're on the bike so if you if you're at a race and you see one flying around, keep your eye on that thing. <laughs> maybe they should maybe they should have helmets on the run now. Treat it like it's a giant eagle. <laughs> yeah, keep it, yeah. It's a vulture waiting for you to die during the run. Yeah, it, it could just hit you like a falcon or something. You know, it would be cool at races. Yeah. Kind of in a similar vein, some something like that. Yeah. A slip and slide, mid course. Uh huh. And so you can either opt to run by the slip and slide, or you could take the slip and slide. Where knowing did this come from no i'm just making this up okay. I mean, just just because it, it written. but think about it right you can have a section of course like 100 100 feet mm-hmm. where you could dive down and hit the slip and slide and be going yeah 15 miles an hour maybe right nice downhill section it's like a slide so it's it's like um uh it's at you get style points for it or something oh, oh style points yeah if, if it yeah. comes down to a tie then if you did the slip and slide, you if you did the slip and the slide, the, yeah. So Kai and Emily just did a mud run this weekend, uh, yesterday, <laughs> and there was so, like a two or so dirty two or three story tall slip and slide on it. There's a Texas <laughs> World Speedway and the 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 con tower, you know, the stadium. The backside mm-hmm. of it's grass, and so it's you know it's like a thirty degree slope. It's like crazy, and they you put know. down tarps one after the other after the other, after the other and held them down with tires. And then you slide down it. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did a mud run at Camp Pendleton uh-huh. uh, uh, last year, I think, or the year before. You're basically, everything I wore there had to be thrown out. Yeah, 
But so it, they literally did, they went out of their way to get you dirty. Back back to the drone story just a second. The the funny the funny side of it is it made for a whole lot of really cool quotes like <laughs> after you get hit or to the lady, you know, they got hit. This is insensitive. But this is somebody said this is not the drone you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, I hope she's okay. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I, she, I'm sure she's fine. They yeah. said that they had pulled a little bit of uh, uh, rotor blade out of her out of oh. her head, so I bet you the rotor had shattered. And that's not good. It was probably they said she was in stable condition, but it could have been a lot worse, right? Lose an eye, um, you know, whack you in the face, break your glasses, yes. kind of stuff, and just golly, could have gone really bad. But I guess you know, as yeah, long as so she's going to recover. They're not established technology yet. It's new. And that's, that's a lesson with everything that's new. Keep your eye on it. Don't trust it just yet until it's been around forever. Okay. Indeed. So Quintana Roo introduced a new bike called the Slip and Slide. No. <laughs> called the PR. <laughs> I got I to gotta pull up a picture of this thing. This thing is awesome. So what's interesting, a little uh, a world geography for you is in, in Canada, they don't say PR. They say um, PB. PB, yeah. Yeah, personal best, it's, not personal right there. It's America's hat. <laughs> up in Canada, up in America's attic, America's <laughs> top, America's top hat. They in Canada, they um, they say PB. I wonder if Quintana Roo is going to have to, you know, up there they're going to sell it as a PB because everybody's going to be like, what is this a boot? <laughs> a. A. but anyway it is a kick-ass bike man and it looks like so it it's it follows the same lines that that whole that this new generation of the flat top tube yeah um it follows that same same design mm-hmm. and it looks like you know Quintana roo has been around for a long time first they may not first have dedicated tri-bike company yeah they may not have the uh the the brand dominance like specialized mm-hmm. or uh, even now like Cervelo, mm-hmm. but Quintana Roo is old hat in the yeah. triathlon industry for sure. So they definitely um, they know what put doing. some uh, R and D into this. And, and uh, they don't. Okay, so if you're if um, there's a problem where if you're a bike company and you're making a time trial bike, right? That you want to sell it to both markets. You want to sell it to triathletes and to cyclists regular cyclists and so regular cyclists if they race on a bike that has to fit to uci universal mm-hmm. cycling institution that is not what that is well my uh, my new my, my new focus has a has a sticker on the top tube that mm-hmm. says it UCI conforms compliant. to uci yeah UCI. my bmc i think is uci compliant right and so the tubes can only be so deep quintana roo um gives the big middle finger to all that and says we're not worried about we're not going to worry about selling bikes to cyclists. We're selling them to triathletes, and in triathlon there is no such rule that the tubes mm. have to be only so deep. So they make these crazy deep section tubes and steep geometry and stuff like that, which is awesome for triathlon. And what was the thing? Oh, so the bike is um, it looks kind of like so the BMC gets a, a lot of kudos for being like a really cool geometry, you know. So this this looks kind of like a BMC geometry, and then the problem with um, the problem with a lot of these super bikes is they're hard to work on. Um, yep. The brakes and the cabling and all that crap and disassembly and disassembly. 
um, to travel. Well, disassembly then assembly. To travel is a pain. No disassemble. <laughs> no disassemble, no. Johnny no. number five. No so, disassemble. The um, is a pain in the ass with a lot of super bikes. I can think like um, the Trek. Um, oh, what's the Trek one? Anyway, it gets it gets a lot of hate for being really difficult to yeah. to work on. And actually, the BMC TM01, uh, the brakes, all this integrated brake stuff um, is hard to work on. So Quintana Roo did their best to uh, make it both a super bike and easy to work on. And they've got it down to two two bolt sizes. You only need two hex wrenches yeah. for uh, disassemble and reassembly. And on top of it, so the other cool thing about this too is that they made it so the cockpit had uh, – um, the, the, the cockpit. <laughs> a little shout out there to the real Starkey. Um, <laughs> you know what you put in a cockpit? Um, what? Chickens. Roosters. <laughs> Pilots even. Okay, bad joke. Uh, but the cockpit is uh, adjustable. So instead of having fixed size components where you have to monkey with stem length and all this other stuff mm-hmm. to try to get your fit right, the bike um, comes adjustable. Yeah. Without having to buy a bunch of new stuff, which is pretty sweet. Um, yeah. Because your fit changes over time, right? So, yeah. you know, you, you start getting you know stretched out, you're stronger, all that kind of stuff. You can start making adjustments to make the ride a little more comfortable. This is cool. It's just built in. You don't have to yeah, throw buy, away your bars and stuff. You buy a badass bike, you know, you could get in a whole lot of training on it, and then your position could change, you know, uh, should. As you get better and more, let's say you're getting better and better, you're going to get lower and lower, more like a pro, for example, and get more aggressive because you're more capable now. So you want your bike like easy to work on and adjust and stuff. Like um, the favorite thing on my bike didn't come on my bike. I have an adjustable stem. Like the angle on it is adjustable. So all I need is a is a Allen wrench, and I can yep. change the angle of my stem from like slammed down, pointed towards the ground, to straight up in the air. In like I don't know, like a minute. I can do that. It's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, I love that thing. It's awesome. Um, anyway, uh, so that's pretty cool. And it's got that. It's got that weird. Um, the left, not chain. Is it the left chainstay? I guess it's basically what. Yeah, chainstay is uh, super huge, and it's to draw wind over onto that side instead of on the drivetrain side oh, uh, to make it faster. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while now. It's pretty cool. Um, supposedly it works. They did wind tunnel testing, of course, and uh, numbers are really nice. Yeah, so there's it looks nothing like the, wrong uh, with that bike. The uh, the base build of this thing too is uh, pretty gnarly. Yeah, they're saying they're claiming uh, it's eighty five hundred mm-hmm. uh, MSRP US dollars, and it comes with DI two and some deep round strike wheels, uh, and that. That right there, I mean, it's out of the box at that at that price. It is yeah. a race ready rig. Yeah, I would say sure. um, uh, you and I both used to ride motorcycles, and the um, you much better than me. <laughs> so I, w- I was scared out there. You were out there racing, but the um, um, you got to treat these bikes kind of like their the mindset of when you purchase one of these is if you were out to buy a motorcycle, how much would you spend? You know, you don't blink twice at it. You're like eight to 10 to 12 to 15 grand, you know, 
for a decent yeah. bike that you're going to you know invest your time in and how much time are you going to be sitting on this thing and what are you expecting out of it um how many years are you going to keep it you know and it's worth it to yeah for some of these you, you do get what you pay for there's there's going to be a big difference between you know this bike and then you know the entry level mm-hmm. um, pick your manufacturer entry level bike. There's going to be a difference in ride quality, and yeah, maybe you may not be strong enough to take advantage of it. You may not be pro caliber. You're not pushing 25 miles an hour average, mm-hmm. but the the uh, opportunity to have a uh, a better time yeah well, like <laughs> goes up. You my, know, my my nicest motorcycle that I ever had. I bought used and I bought it for let's say six and a half grand, right? Seven grand. And I was riding it probably 10 hours a week, you know, I guess mm-hmm. something like that, you know, and I, ride, I I sold it because I was riding my bicycle longer than that. And so I wasn't riding my motorcycle anymore. So what what you're doing and the time spent on it is about the same. So, um, okay, let's see. Along with Quintana Roo's new bike, they... Oh, the, the rentals. The rental program is pretty cool. Yeah. I think for some people, this may be perfect. So it's, it's perfect for me, right? So I just bought a new road bike, and I rode, I rode at Oceanside with uh, clip-ons on. But I, mm-hmm. I'm sort of be after... We'll talk about this in a second. Um, TJ Tolikson, um, I think I just butchered his last name, came up with some... Right. Some new luggage that we'll talk about in a second, but the uh, the rental program is pretty awesome. You can get a pretty sweet bike, and it doesn't cost that much. And if you are traveling to a race and you've got a standard, let's say you've got your standard bike box, it's going to cost a lot to get yeah. your bike wherever you want to go in a lot of places. So, it's just not. Yeah. So let's say um, let's say you're traveling to a race, and you got just a you're just a normal person with a thousand dollar bike, fifteen hundred dollar bike. Right, and you're like, okay, so I got to buy a bike box. That's a hundred bucks, probably, or more. And then you're like, okay, so it's a hundred bucks each way on whatever airline, if not more, right? So now yep. you're up to three hundred bucks. And then you're like, and then when I get it there, I got to take it apart. I got to, well, I got to take it apart. I got to, I got to set it up when I get there. I got to do the same thing on the way back. And then, um, and then if the airline smashes it. They just laugh at you when you try to get your money back out of them. They're like, no, yeah, they don't, no they one don't should buy a $2,000 bike, idiot. You know, and then, <laughs> sorry. And um, lots of photos online, right, uh, on Twitter of people's bikes that are smashed from traveling. My bike's all scratched up from traveling to Spain and back. I mean, oh, yeah, Emily's got like- a brand new road bike, and it's it's scratched up from travel. Um. So Quintana Roo says there's certain races that they're going to be at. Ironman Texas, for example, is one of them. I think it's the first one they're going to be at. But um, yep, Texas, Coeur d'Alene, Lake Placid, Boulder, Louisville. Uh, they're going to be at Tahoe, which is cool, uh, and uh, a couple others, Florida and Arizona. Right, and so you um, you show up, you reserve a bike, and they have two levels of bike. They have like a pretty damn good bike, and then they have them um, a freaking ninja bike. Yeah, that's the it's the Cura models. The Fit is the entry level one, and then the uh, the second level is is their CDO CDO yeah, one. They're nice bikes. Those are nice, and you can get it either with mechanical shifting or DI two. Right, and, uh, then, and 
prices range two forty nine to four fifty nine. Right. So the convenience fact, the the cost of you getting your bike there plus the convenience factor is very similar. You know they price this where it's just for certain people they're like, Ugh, I'd rather do do this. You know. Um, yeah. I. I don't really want to travel with my bike. <laughs> you know, if I was going <laughs> to go to Spain stress, and ride, dude, weeks, like um, both ways from Spain, they lost my bike. You know, they're like, well, and they just they just say, well, it's not, it's it's going to be on this flight or whatever. No, sorry, you know, no, whatever. It's it's like, um, yeah, it didn't make the connection, so it's going to be on another flight. And I'm like, I'm going to be in another town a hundred miles from there. You know. I got to drive all the way back to the airport and get my bike. So both times I had to drive to an airport and go get my bike the next day. So what what did you have to pay to ship your uh, ship your bike on the airline? It was probably a hundred bucks each way. It's European and they don't hate cyclists like Americans do. <laughs> yeah, but you had to. Uh, so this is a good segue, right? So uh, like I mentioned, <laughs> TJ Tolkson's got that. Uh, oh, perfect. Yeah. That um, don't call attention to the segue when you do it, though. Segway, no, segway, no. segway, 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 segway. Um, anyway, he's got this, uh, he came up with this, this set of luggage that l- it looks like it's on most airlines. You'd probably have to do a little research on this. I'm just taking a look at the, uh, the site, Does it look uh, recently. Does it put like Hello Kitty crap on it? Like Christine would like? No, it's got kind of a big chicken on the side, but it says, it just says rooster sports <laughs> no, on that's it. It's R- stupid. <laughs> it's R-U-S-T- ersports.com and the the whole thing is if you go look on most of the airlines they'll have dimensions uh that uh dimensions that if you fall into your stuff travels for free or you just pay your extra bag fee which is usually pretty cheap right 25 bucks or whatever so usually they'll let you have a carry-on and then something you can check um depending on the airline but this looks like it it's built in such a way that conforms to the dimensions yeah looks and feels like luggage even though you can tell them it's in a bike or it's a it's a bike and it's not it's not too uh not too expensive considering the money you if you're traveling a lot with your bike that's um, true okay so this is this is part of the problem right we're talking with Quintana Roof this is $495 to buy this thing list mm. right so it's $500 it's soft sided which i don't do soft side i do hard side the, the armor the armored one i don't know how armored, armored it one. is it's, yeah it's 625 what yeah. Yeah. So this is a problem in our sport. So um, you can get around all this by racing local. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the well, reasons I was so excited when, like, when there became an Ironman here, just down the road from me. Yeah. The only, I mean, we've got a lot of internationals here by me, but and uh, a ton of sprints. I mean, I could literally probably race every weekend if I wanted to yeah. around here. But the longer races, there's just California. Uh, the California Ironman mm-hmm. it, in Oceanside. And then um, I got to either go to Arizona. You know, I, I can drive to Arizona, but there's really no other real big ones. There's a Super Seal, which is another one down here. But there's uh, there's no full Ironman that I, that I wouldn't have to drive to. Yeah. Well, props to TJ. He's, he's this crazy engineer slash triathlete that's always coming up with, with uh, solutions for the sport. So, good for him, man. Spell his last name real fast. Oh. <laughs> H-O-B-B-I-T. Something. I don't know. Oh, T-O-L-L-A-K-S-O-N. There you go. All right. 
Tollickson. 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 You got to throw your accent on there. Tollickson. Um, all right. Leave off. There was more. Uh, yep. There was more. Race results. There, okay. Oh, I have a race results. No, yeah. no, wait, wait. Before that. Okay. I, I picked up my um, race number stuff. Uh, my packet, I guess is what they call it. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and, uh, my race number stuff. What? The, um, what are you? At Galveston, right? 70.3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while I was picking it up, there was this lady that was waving her arms all over the place and there was this line to to go into the big tent to get your stuff as as Emily and I were walking out of the line. And uh um this lady was yelling at the, the line. If you're an if you're an all world athlete, come with raise your hand or come with me or something like that. And I thought what, does oh, that what mean? the hell is that? And God, I'm too busy to worry about that. Some other thing that Iron Man's come up with now to to take people's money or something. And so <laughs> as I exited through the gift shop, right? So then I'm like, uh, back at the, um, drop, drop my bike off at transition area. And then I'm back at the hotel room and I'm putting together my, um, my bib, you know? And I got this sticker on my um, on my uh, bib, and it says AWA and all uh, all world athlete, right? And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm whatever they were talking about. And then I Googled it, and basically, it, there's three levels. There's gold, silver, and bronze. And you know, bronze looks kind of like silver or uh, mm-hmm. kind of like gold, gold in a way. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm gold. And, I'm like, and then I looked up a photo and I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're bronze. So anyway, it's a, if bronze is top 10% of Ironman finishers, silver is 5%, gold is 1%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, Interesting. And um, the bonus is, is you get to cut in line for certain things. So it's kind of like a frequent flyer, first class flyer program which is kind of nice because it's not something you can really buy your way into except for doing races except for racing yeah and so um and but then i was reading some people's reaction to it and they were saying that um even though they had the sticker on their bib they still didn't cut in line in front of other people to pick up their packet or or register early or whatever it was because it just seemed made you look like a dick, you know, like, like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm better than you. So I get to go first. Yeah. 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 So I think they got to watch out for this. Like, like, um, it can, it can shoot them in the foot in this, you know what I mean? Well, they tried, yeah, they tried that prior. Do they still have that priority registering feature? There was that one thing they had to. There was that one oh, thing the, they had to roll back because people got pissed. Yeah, it was the thousand. You got you paid a thousand dollars, and what did you to get? be in the whatever program it was, and then you had you had early access to registration. So if you could throw another thousand dollars at WTC for you know, yeah, oh, that I, reaction I was like whatever yeah. it was. 
that reaction was like they were like oh crap it really pissed off a lot of people so, yeah i think it's a huge i recall that being a, yeah a triathlon pretty... the whole sport has this big problem where because it requires a you can buy speed with the bike and bikes are crazy expensive that there's a perception which is at least partly based on reality that it's a rich person sport and that um well yeah we're just talking about like this travel right all this travel and these bike bags and all this other stuff and triathlon used to be really really cheap and now with um people been able to buy their way into races and and then what what annoys me is is um a really wealthy person can get into a race and do, you know, just buy their way all the way up to the, to the front and mm -hmm. do pretty well by buying like the greatest equipment. And then they never even hang around. They were like one and done, you know, they're like, I, I did it. And it was just to show off to some other people at work that did the same thing <laughs> at their job. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's a life adventure. Right. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, you and I talk every once in a while about there. There should be a qualifier for Ironman. And yeah, I yeah, don't well, like even, it that, even... that, that there isn't one. I don't like it that I'm involved in a race where there's the potential for you to for somebody to kill themselves in the swim, for example, or on the bike because they don't have any good bike handling skills, and but not just themselves, but hurt a ton of people around them. Yeah, um, because now they're without any kind of qualifications at all, they've registered, they were able to register, register for and get started. in what's probably what's known as like the most difficult thing that you can do. I think, uh, at least it, it, maybe not a qualifier, but they can adjust, uh, the way that the waves are stacked. Um, you know, so it, yeah. in the case of my, my complaint from Oceanside was, well, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of running into the swim was crowded. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a little bit of traffic in the water. It, it would have been nice. I would have done a, a bit better if I had clear water to swim through. Not a big deal. It's part of the adventure, right? You got to navigate, get doing these other things. But I think if, uh, if you being an experienced iron disc, full distance, 140.6 mm -hmm. competitor, you, I think that potentially with the money involved, you would deserve the right to be slotted with other experienced athletes. So yeah. you don't necessarily, so you don't have to worry that somebody's not, you know, ready to swim the distance. You don't have to worry um, about scaring anybody else. Well, and, um, and like uh, you and I have both done open water swims. They want qualifying times for you to do these things. Like I did the uh, Tortuga here in Conroe. Yeah, they're like, it's a 5k so three miles and they're like you gotta show proof that you can swim um one mile and whatever like they had all these qualifying times and you had to swim yeah. the proof and it's not that's almost an ironman swim i mean it's more than an ironman swim but just barely and they're not going to let you do it unless you know you can prove that you're going to be able to finish or yeah or that you're not going to drown out there so. The uh, the Manhattan Island Marathon swim, Mims, mm -hmm. uh, has a uh, has a qualifier too. Like you can't just show up and do it. Right. It's an event. Like there's it's a multi stage event, but it's right. a long swim, right? It's around the island. Oh, but almost so, every swim's like that. Almost every swim that's a longer open water swim, you know, has qualifiers in it. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and Ironman. <laughs> 
has a 2.4 mile long open water swim and no qualifier. This is crazy. And you're, cr- you're crammed in with yeah. experience, non-experience, then, all in the same space. But then if you say, well, we want a qualifier, well, then all of a sudden a whole bunch of people aren't going to sign up for Ironman anymore and W2C loses out a ton of money, right? They're going to be like, oh, I don't want to go through the qualifier. Well, that's all they're doing is missing out on a money opportunity, right? So Ironman brand could say they could start setting up qualifier swims and charge qualifier qualifier waves. They could charge for the qualifier swims. They could call, they could create qualified waves. Mm-hmm. So you can still have the open enrollment, but you'd have a series of qualified waves yeah. that gave you priority morning start. Yeah, Ironman's coming and, to your local lake, your local uh, ocean, right? And it's just a swim, and it's and it's a uh, it's a it's a one mile swim, two mile swim, right? Whatever yep. it is, and they record your time. You do it. It's a fun. It's a race. It's a fun event. And then now that you've qualified, and they make money off of it, right? And then now that you've qualified, now you can do the full Ironman. Yeah, I don't. How about I that, mean, dude? No one's ever mentioned that yet. I think okay. that I think they could probably cut that idea up and come up with something that works. Yeah. That not only makes them more money, but makes it safer. Makes more, yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, well, if we make it safer, we're going to lose money. Well, here's a way to make it safer and make money. Well, they came up with that. They also had that thing where they had the, it was legal for you to grab onto the flotillas and, and uh, go over. Yeah. And, and you know and what? Hang All it does is make it really obvious about who shouldn't be out there. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah. you know, for our cases, like, it's, it's the people that you don't want to run over are getting out of the way. Yeah. And, and that's Galveston, cool, right? Galveston They're happy, They want to take a break. And right from the beginning, there was people hanging on to those things, like from the waves in front of me. They were like, oh, holy crap. You know? And yeah. It's like, yeah, this is, this is scary stuff, man. Okay. Let's, uh, um, let's move. And, but they're not disqualified, right? So I think that's cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. let's see. Uh, the Poolmate oh, oh, Live. Oh. What? The Poolmate Live. Yeah. I was going to bring that up before, actually. We'll get, we'll, I want to talk about Craig and his swim from the mm-hmm. Farallons. But after we talk about the poolmate and then um, that new Garmin, okay, the Garmin eighty five thousand three thousand two k dot com. Oh, you let's do the Garmin first. So yeah, Garmin that's released um, the Garmin one thousand, and my comment on the uh, on the whole thing on DC Raymaker did a really good review. Is freaking it brought out the retro grouch in me? I'm like. Jesus, man, this thing does just too much. It's crazy. And why don't, and somebody else said, why don't you just strap a laptop to your handleboards, to your handleboards, your handlebars, and, with the, <laughs> and bungee cord it? Because this is freaking overkill, like big time. Um, and uh, some people were like, oh, this is really cool. It does a whole lot of blue. It, it connects with every single freaking thing on the planet. Um, it does everything. It post Bluetooth alerts constantly on it. Um, it's bigger, so it takes up more space. It's so big that you can actually turn it sideways and it does it in landscape mode. <laughs> and uh, and just, so it brought out a lot of the retro grouch and a lot of people, you know, that were like, oh, this is too much. You know, cycling is supposed to be um, uh, a sport where you just get out and ride. And enjoy yeah. enjoy the open road, and there's a and I think it is true. There's a point where it's just too much, like gadgets and digital connectivity and all that stuff. And I think it's different yeah. for different people, right? It, 
and in me, this was this one was too much. Uh, this thing does too much, too much stuff to keep on top of, and then go wrong, and it's taking you out of the out of the enjoyment of cycling. Yeah, it's like it's just staring at your watch too much while you're running. Like you get sort of wrapped up in the gadgets, the numbers, and the distractions, and you're not actually. Yeah, I mean, this thing's like to the point. Get anything of, done. I mean, literally, if you have if you have text messages coming to your phone about the stock market, this thing will display them. So you can be like, yeah, you're trying to focus on your ride, and bang, 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 and it's like Yahoo has gone up one point. You know, <laughs> like okay, you know, I'll check on that. You know, later. I think that you and I both think that tracking. And being able to tell your spouse or family or friends where you are. Oh, absolutely. That's really huge. Good. But, you know, yeah. the way you and I like it and the way I think that works is it you start it and then you don't have to think about it. Right? Yeah, it's just passive. Once it's going, you don't have to monkey with yeah. it. Yeah. So there, there's an art to making things kind of in the background and so that you can enjoy what you're doing and... I'm sure with this one you could do all that. You know, you could make it so that it looks cool. But I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this photo of it. Looks like, dude. It looks like a guy's got a laptop strapped to his. (laughs) It's as big as an iPhone. It's enormous. Yeah, it's enormous. That's not so bad, right? It's not so bad. But then somebody was like, "Well, I'm old and I I don't have good vision, you know, and I I want to be able to see it better." And I'm like, "Okay, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I could understand." Oh, and the other thing is, it's really expensive. It's like six hundred dollars. <laughs> Five ninety nine. If you get oh. the, what's the bundle? Uh, the bundle's another hundred bucks. So seven hundred dollars. So the, the Edge one thousand. The uh, the retro grouch in me. The what I posted was. I remember when I was a kid, and I'd hop on my mom's bike, and she had that gadget on the front hub that clicked over with every revolution, and eventually it would tell you how many miles you went. <laughs> it was like this little mechanical gizmo that went on the wheel. Oh yeah, yeah, and it yeah, would count revolutions, this. and and um, the revolutions would were converted into miles. I think my uh, my dad had a uh, this old Nishiki. Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever happened to Nishiki? They dropped. I was riding on Huffy, dude. Dude, my dad had this Nishiki, and he had a headlight for it mm-hmm. that maybe put out like it was like a half a lumen, half a lumen. Yeah. <laughs> You know, barely cast a glow. You could. You it was a candle a with a hurricane and a hurricane. But it had, but it had, uh, it had this thing that it was a friction, friction. It was powered by friction. It would oh, yeah, sit yeah. over the tire, and it would. You'd basically be riding, and it would climb. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, it had and a friction roller light. on it that would power it. Yeah, but yeah, it's better than not having any light. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so there's that. And, um, okay, so the Poolmate Live mm-hmm. by Sumovate was really interesting. I read this review, and um, I was like, this thing's pretty cool because it'll, what I like is that it vibrates on your swim laps. So you can, right now when I swim and I want to count, uh, I want to see how fast I'm going per lap, I'm relying on a beep or actually looking at my watch during my turn, right? Which I've gotten good at. Yeah, I do and, the same thing. I'm swimming. I've got a um, a fitness uh, swim sense. Yeah, that I like quite a bit. Uh-huh. And uh, I know that uh, you've got you've got the Ambit that has all the swimming stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anybody that's got a Garmin nine ten. Yeah, the triathlon watch that has the swimming stuff in it. But I've heard that it's pretty good. Like the um, 
the results right uh, turned out pretty good but, but the ability the whole vibrating thing is pretty cool yeah so what what i was what raised my eyebrow was it vibrates when you um on it you can get it to vibrate on an interval so you can say i want to swim 50s or 25s or whatever on a whatever interval so you program it in and it'll vibrate so you can feel it on your wrist that's freaking cool and yeah um so then you can go okay i want to feel what a certain pace feels like without having to look at my watch and this will do it and it's getting trickier and trickier the i think that there's been a lack of positive a lack of good tools in the water for oh, a long time totally yeah and now they're starting to figure out like what the right feedback mm -hmm. stuff is and yeah. um the the what is it the finnest thing that clips on your ear that gives you your pulse audibly yeah it's kind of neat um oh yeah yeah but this is definitely this is definitely a step forward and with me uh you know with with swimming tools and whatnot this thing's actually very um inexpensive yeah, it was, it was compared to some of the other watches it? yeah it's like it's one 125 yeah. it looks like that's actually a really and, cool uh, tool so if i was a coach which i am and i was telling somebody how to get faster in the pool and this would be one way to do it for sure i'd be like okay figure out how fast you swim swim like a thousand yards you know and figure out your pace now set your vibrate motor on the on the thing so that every 50 uh, is just yeah. uh, half a second faster than what you were doing, right? And just get faster and faster and faster. Figure out what form and technique makes you faster. That's all you got to yep. do. And you don't even have to pay attention to anything, man. It vibrates on your wrist. Yo, you better catch it up. It also, falling off another, another, uh, another uh, bonus with this one is that uh, the, uh, the frequency that it, it communicates with mm -hmm. uh, allows you to get a heart rate in the water which is something you can't do with some of the other watches oh so it's the old right now. it's the analog yeah it's the old yeah. frequency um but hey that's great right because mm -hmm. the point is you're in the water it's built for you to be in the water yeah okay and then shimano introduced a 105 group that is probably as good as dura ace was five years ago <laughs> if i'm riding if with the dura ace i'm riding with dura ace on my old bike on my bike it's old it's seven eight years old now and i bet you this 105 is probably as good um and um yeah how about that pretty nice eh that's yeah like well that's that's what happens you get all the um you get all the hand-me-down trickle down effect uh tech trick trickle down technology imagine when we've got uh, shimano 105 integrated digital shifting right mm -hmm. you know when when it's uh when it gets down to there and it becomes a little more affordable um that'll be pretty insane yeah there's nothing wrong with 105 it doesn't shift quite as crisp but unless you're a rocket surgeon you're not really going to notice all this stuff so ultegra is as much <laughs> as the average person ever needs to get dura ace is just like you're showing off and uh <laughs> let the pros get that for free don't even buy it like let pros wouldn't buy that they'd probably race with ultegra you know and yeah. uh but Dura Ace is like your bike is sponsored by somebody and they're putting it on there. That's when you buy Dura Ace. Ultegra is the best that any normal human can tell that it, it's working. And then 105 is just a step down from that and works just fine. And not a very far you, step. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, like you'd have to be a fighter pilot to tell the difference, you know. <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up with a new story that you found 
Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. Um, we both met this guy. Yeah, so when I went out to go do my uh, Lake Tahoe crossing, um, a guy was there doing it uh, a couple of days before me, a guy named Craig Lenning. He's a very accomplished marathon swimmer. Mm-hmm. He's done the North Ireland Channel, uh, Segura Channel in Japan, and a bunch of others. He was, he's been slowly ticking off the Ocean 7 yeah. series of channel swims around the world. He swam where? And where did you say? Saguaro Channel. I think I might be pronouncing it wrong. It's like T S U G R G A U R O Saguaro Channel. Mm-hmm. It's one of the it's one of the Ocean Seven. Yeah. Um, anyway, he um, just uh, on April eighth swam from the uh, the Farallon Islands uh, to the South Farallon Island to Muir Beach, California. Uh, the swim measured in statute miles is 25.7, so almost 26-mile swim in open rough ocean. water in yeah. the Pacific, open ocean. There's places where sharks breach the water, yeah. and this one is of one of them. Yeah. It's actually it's is a breeding ground. Out, as we've uh, seen, for, photo, photographic proof, they come flying out of the water and grab on the divers hanging out of choppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i've seen that yeah and that, that shark is huge it's as big as the helicopter yeah it's fantastic it, that was right actually near, right near the uh, totally for real <laughs> um shot because i think the golden gate bridge is in the background or something like that so this is that area right yeah so anyway, it's from the Farallon islands which is great white shark heaven yeah. to it's 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 a treacherous it's very treacherous body of water um Ever. And he, uh, it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been done in the last forty-seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he pulled it off in fifteen hours and forty-seven minutes. That's a, if that's I was a, a dolphin. I wouldn't swim. do this. So I've seen, <laughs> I've seen Craig swim. Craig yeah. swims fast. Yeah. For him, you no, know, he covered only he covered twenty-five something miles, right, in fifteen hours. Yeah. I did twenty-two and fourteen, like. It, it this this shows this kind of points out like how how difficult that water right. was so to get through. But that was you were that's doing a pretty, your swim, pretty big thing. When you were doing your swim, I met this guy. And yep. You're yep. you know you and I had both worn wetsuits, so you're wearing a wetsuit and it's cold and all that stuff, right? And I'm in the boat throwing up, almost feeling like I've been kicked in the nuts over <laughs> and over again. And then I don't know where I met this. Like, did I meet him out on the water? Yeah, I think he came you out on a boat. Him on shore. I think you made... No, I think he came out on a boat. Oh, you met him on shore. Well, anyway, this guy, yeah. this big like bear-looking dude is uh, Jamie said that he had just swam Lake Tahoe, which you were doing, just like a couple days before yep. and did it in some ridiculous uh-huh. time, like 11 hours or some it's crazy like crap. Nine, 10. Yeah. Without a He was going out to do a double pull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Without yep. a wetsuit. I was like, "Holy crap." And he was the funniest thing was he was wearing this a uh, Waffle House T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, a fun fun fact on Craig, he's a yeah. beekeeper. Oh yeah, and he's a beekeeper. Yeah, it, it, he's a he's a good dude. You should you should reach out to him and have him on the on the show. He's um, oh, he's totally he's my kind definitely, of guy. I love people that are just cool like dude. super super badass, and then wear like yeah like wear a Waffle House T-shirt like totally. <laughs> and he's ironic. he said yeah. <laughs> it's extremely ironic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he. Uh, oh, believe he me, he looks like he goes was, to the uh, Waffle House. I mean, I think he's a fan. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> he said something really important to me before yeah. I uh, before I did my swim. He asked me if I was going to wear a wetsuit, and I said, "Yeah, um, 
because it made this uh, made the swim attainable. The water's freezing, as you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and he he like, actually cool. said, he said, "There's no shame in that game. It's still, <laughs> you're still gonna, you're still gonna swim across that lake, yeah. and you're gonna finish it, and it's gonna be super hard. So yeah, don't I, even stress it. So and yesterday, it's kind of cool. It made me think. Um, uh, this crazy stuff when we when we do this crazy stupid stuff that's like really really hard. It makes everyday challenges um so much easier right it makes your mental toughness and your physical toughness a lot easier because you can draw on those times you know so i was swimming yesterday and the water was too cold i was swimming in an unheated pool that's not even open yet i snuck in (laughs) i'm swimming around in it for an hour (laughs) and my my hands started going numb and i kept swimming because i'm like man it's not quite as cold as as um as uh alcatraz or or um tahoe you know like this other stuff that i swam that's that cold i go i know this isn't going to kill me right because you've you've pushed yourself to some crazy extremes you know what's going to kill you and what's not you know and when i got out of the water i was numb i swam for an hour in this stuff i got out of the water i was numb and i had my heels were numb dude talk about weird like i'm walking on the pool deck and i can't feel my heels (laughs) And, uh, and I was kind of dizzy a little bit, you know, and my left, my left hand was numb. My right hand was kind of okay. And I was so cold for so long. I had, when I got back to the house, I had to go lay in bed and, uh, wear a jacket and a beanie hat to go warm up in bed. I took a nap to warm back up. So it's crazy. Yeah. These, and you dude, the water, it was at most, you know, at coldest like upper 60s at most right well like, you, you've you're also cruising around with like zero you're getting a little skypey oh well i'm still here dude i can hear you <laughs> yeah uh, okay so now? yeah the um yeah dude like um like it really wasn't all that cold you know um my my watch has a temperature gauge on it and i was looking at it and it was reading 70, but I know it's colder than that because it's against my wrist. So it wasn't, it was actually colder than that. So that, 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 what do you think the temperature was of this swim that this guy did? Probably. Oh my gosh. Upper I mean, the 50s? Pacific's not all that warm. Lower I mean, the 60s? Pacific's warming up, right? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be in the fifties. I'm sure. He probably hit some cold spots, splashes, <laughs> splooshes, sections, whatever. The whole thing is a cold <laughs> spot. Yeah, but you know, like marathon swimming, mar- marathon swimmers are not necessarily built like um, are not built like triathletes. No, they purpose doing a little bit of extra, and um, even then they get cold. I mean, they're not totally immune to it. But no, they have uh, problems too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly uh, it's a it's a different style of sport, and actually, be, having a little bit of a uh, little bit of extra works in your favor. So you Wait, know, real quick, with all I'm things being equal. Guy. Craig Lenning, Farallon, Yep. And. Yep. And. Oh. Should have had this linked. Brett. Go. Go. Man swims. I'm like, man. One, two, three, internet. You get that t-shirt from the onion. It says area man. It says. Area man. 47 years since somebody's done it. Yeah. Yep. 
And he, uh, I, I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Jamie, our friend Jamie, mm-hmm. Jamie Patrick. Jamie oh, he Patrick. was on the com. boat or something. Like uh, he was he was on the boat and uh, Night Train Swimmers, which is a group of swimmers out of San Francisco, do a bunch of stuff for charity. Mm. Um, that uh, I know a couple of guys from there. Uh, we're out there crewing, crewing for him. Um, he wore grease to retain some body heat. Yep, channel grease. He ran into a school of jellyfish darker and bigger than your typical jellyfish. Um, they don't say the temperature. Uh, he was 800 meters from shore when he got stuck in an eddy. It took 45 minutes to get through it. Yeah, <laughs> he he told me a he told me a story about the North Ireland Channel that it, it, his first attempt he covered like 200 yards in two hours, something yeah. ridiculous because of because of the way things were, and it wasn't anybody's fault. Or, you know, it was nobody's fault. But it just happened to be bad timing. He was in the water. But I got caught in an eddy. <laughs> how, 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 uh, how disheartening is that? Am I moving? Yeah. Am I getting anywhere? Yeah. No, no, actually not. <laughs> I remember you were like that. That was so great. Yeah. It's, Am uh, I going anywhere? That's pretty, <laughs> that is a very impressive swim. Yeah. Almost 30 miles right there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So big day for marathon swimming. Pretty cool. Pretty cool, man. Shows you what you can uh, do. I also don't do it though. <laughs> I, no, no, I'm let, not. Let I, crazy people I, do that stuff. One, two, three. No thanks. Yeah, not out in the sharks. Uh, no thanks. Not that many sharks. Can you imagine if you had a wet, you had a wetsuit on, you look even more like a seal. Yeah. Well, he's pretty. Not good. He's a white guy. And the photos I'm watching of him, I mean, he stands out, dude. He looks like a big, like a, like a larva out there in the water. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a I big mean, he dude, looks delicious. Sure. If I was a shark, I'd be like, oh my God, it's a freaking marshmallow. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But I guess, yeah, you don't want to look like what they, what they're used to eating. So. Yeah. All right, dude. Show. That's it. That's the news. Yep. Oh wait. Hey, I I got. Uh, you want to bust through the uh, the results of oh, okay, the four seventy point threes down this weekend? Yeah. Yep. We're gonna cruise through it real quick. First place. Um, and significance. So first place. Yeah. First place. We'll do uh, Ironman New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Potts uh, with a three fifty thirty six finishing, and then Lauren Barnett with a four twenty one thirty four. Uh, Potts got the swim done in 22 minutes and eight seconds. It's insane. <laughs> I've done that race. But the cool thing is yeah. the women's, the women's pro field yeah. from first place to eighth place was all USA. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Kind of gnarly. Um, and then Ironman Florida, mm-hmm. I'm going to butcher this dude's name. Victor Zemensev in a 354.26 for the men mm-hmm. with Greg Bennett in second place. And well, I'm going to tell you why that's important in a second. Yeah. And then uh, Kate, Caitlin Snow took uh, took it for the women's top spot mm-hmm. with four thirteen thirty seven. It's freaking smoking. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is that uh, Greg Bennett's wife Laura mm-hmm. was fifth in the women's in the overall women's field. So it's a good day for the Bennetts oh, at cool. uh, Ironman Florida. And they're they've been around for a while too. They've they've definitely got some history. They're very very uh, yeah uh, very experienced athletes uh, and. Uh, Starkey 
Andrew Starkowitz uh, took the uh, top men's spot in uh, Ironman Puerto Rico. San Juan, Puerto Rico. It's Puerto Rico. Oh, he, uh, he can't finish he can, and it looks like he can run too. Out of the out of the pros, yeah, he put down a one twenty two on. Yeah, one twenty two. One twenty two. Yeah. Um, the guy who came in second ran one seventeen, but the times look like they're mostly hover around the one twenties, which isn't bad. But of course, he laid down a, a bike split that was ridiculous. Forty five miles. He swam away. competitively. <laughs> he swam competitively at twenty four minutes, but uh, yeah, uh, his his bike was six minutes faster than everybody else, so it's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, and That'll then uh, the women, Sophie, Sophie, oh no, oh man, here we go, I'm going to totally mess this one up. It's Heil, Heil Fredrickson, Hi, it's probably pronounced Haya, H-E-L-L-E, Haya Fredrickson for the women oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. in Puerto Rico. 4-14-27. I've seen her name come by a couple of times. Um, I'm starting to see pro names that I, 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 that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last race that New I've got is Ironman. Always. Yeah. Putraria. Putra Yaya. <laughs> I have no idea where this is. Putros, uh, Putros, golly. It's Putros. Um, Desmond and, Tutu uh, got and, third. And another, another, uh, uh, another name I'm going to butcher, Brad Kalfeld. Uh-huh. Kalfeld uh, with a 355-36 uh, first place male. Which race is uh, this? And then this is Ironman Putraya. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Putraya. Yeah, yeah. Again, I have no idea where this is in the world. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Radka Vodakova I've with a 42309. Yeah. That's a cool name, uh, Radka. I remember that name. I was like, man, that's a cool name. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, no, that's it. Uh, there was a lot of racing this weekend, uh, and those are the those are the major ones. So. All right. That's it. I think that I think that is the news. We had a whole lot of opinions all the news and a little bit of actual news in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. you know what they say about opinions. They're like airports. <laughs> they they They're start like with no and end with a Everybody news. has one. <laughs> so. And sometimes you get charged for them. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right, man. Thank you very much. Right, right on. All right. Catch ya. All right. Thanks a lot, Morgan, for the nice news segment. Man, that one went on for an hour. <laughs> I think it was going to be like 20 minutes. But uh, I, I like having Morgan on. He's thinking about starting up his own podcast about tech news and productivity, which actually he knows a ton about. He's an internet wizard. So um, let's keep tabs on him and see where he's going with that. I also wanted to mention that um, in the training log that's coming up here in just a few minutes, I forgot to mention mention this at the beginning of the show, um, Kai, my nine-year-old triathlete son who's been doing triathlon for three years now, and often... Uh, podiums and and uh, does really well. He's a really he's a really uh, good triathlete. He's going to start us with uh, Kai's coaching for kids <laughs> segment. And this this episode, it's going to be how to do the swim, an indoor swim in a pool, or I guess outdoor too, uh, at a tra- at a kids triathlon. And so if your if your kids are thinking about doing a triathlon. 
or also the um, advice is good for parents on how to deal with your kids doing a triathlon from the parents' perspective. So that's in the training log coming up here in just a few minutes. And let's see, I had a couple of um, Zen thoughts for you. Um, we have a lot of, of debate on the internet with and, and people leading groups of, of high carb, low carb, and you know all, all this stuff. And I've come to figure out, I want to promote a message of that it's, don't worry so much about high carb or low carb. Instead, think of right carb. And what that means is that there's the right amount of carbohydrates for you to use for your body that your body needs right now. And if you pay attention, if you use Zen and you pay attention to what's going on around you and how if how your body's reacting to things and kind of pull yourself out of being so involved in the mix that you're not paying attention anymore. Um, you can eat the right amount based on what you need. And if you are mindful of, of how your body feels later and how your body reacts to it, then you can start to zero in on what's the right carb for you. So uh, the problem with saying low carb or high carb is, uh, and creating a dogmatic approach to eating is you create a situation where sometimes you need carbs, a lot of carbs, and that will solve your problem for right now, but you've set up a rule where you can't do that. And sometimes you don't need carbs and you shouldn't be eating carbs, um, but you've set up a rule that carbs are great all the time and that's not the right solution for you right now either. You need to be flexible. And if you subscribe too much uh, low carb or high carb as a lifestyle, then you can find yourself, can, can find yourself in trouble. And what it does is it leads to extremes and extremes are not necessarily all that good. Um, well, they're unhealthy. And so there's, instead of low carb or high carb, think right carb. The right carb for you right now might be low carb and it might be a majority of the time, or it might be um, higher carb, depending on your body type and what you're doing um, a majority of the time. The whole trick is to just pay attention. So uh, get away from that low carb, high carb, and just think right carb. And then I came across an article about how to not how to be how to be liked more and how not to be so freaked out and make things worse. <laughs> so. It's called, basically it's the art of doing nothing. Um, when uh, a situation is is um, presenting itself. So you want to impress somebody, so you start talking. And you start talking, and then you talk so much that you end up um, making things worse. And the person doesn't even want to hang out with you anymore because you're annoying because you've talked so much. Um, this comes up, well I have, I have a friend that used to be a mall cop. And they would bust. Well, he would also. He also used to be a military police officer when he was military. And he said that um, you know they're busting somebody for shoplifting. They don't have to do anything. They just put them in a room and sit them down and just don't say anything. And he said within minutes the person is blabbing about everything that they've done <laughs> and telling everybody that telling telling on everybody that helped them and everything. And that was without asking any questions at all. So when you're nervous. You end up talking a lot, and 
Um, this also, uh, when you're stressed, uh, you want to be liked, or you're making a tough decision, um, uh, instead of talking a lot or reacting, a lot of times you should do nothing and just wait. And a whole bunch of options will soon present themselves. And then pick the best one. Oops, my uh, recording got cut off there. I'm going to have to re-record this bit. <laughs> Such as technology. Okay, anyway, I was saying that um, don't react too fast to things. And actually what you're practicing is doing nothing. And then watch what happens. In a stressful situation, don't react. Do nothing and watch how you actually didn't need to react. And in the end, you taking your time and, and either not reacting at all or not reacting for a while um, presents a better solution for you to react. Because the there's two things. One, the nervous energy is off-putting to other people. There's a thing in humans, animals, where maybe plants, where um, when we see somebody getting nervous, we try to avoid them because we don't want to be stressed out. <laughs> so so it it's a sign um, uh, other herd animals sometimes just kind of get away from you because uh, there's a problem and they don't want the problem. So uh, you'll find you get less help and people shun you a little bit um, when you start acting weird like that. And then, um, and then the, uh, a lot of times the, uh, yeah, the better solution presents itself later. Anyway, you can tell people that are very professional um, and successful don't react too fast. They pause and wait a while and then react. And let's see, I want to cover some donations. Okay, so you can donate to the podcast to uh, help cover bandwidth. And we're having, uh, we're moving from Mevio to SoundCloud, which has a higher price, but Mevio's no longer um, going to host stuff. So um, donations really do help out. You can go to uh, zentrathlon.com and on the left hand side there's a donations section if you find anything on this podcast that is useful to you and you want to return the favor then this is how you do it so we have oh well we have um, recurring donations and one-time donations and if you do a one-time donation there's a little space that PayPal it's just PayPal's the way they do things um, a little place where you can put a note and in there, ask me a, a question or put in a comment and I'll read it on the show. Okay, so we have uh, Ken Soderquist, Michael Hildick, Melissa J. Boudot, Daniel Stark, Simon Wright, Christopher Allen, and then two donations that are going towards Kai's Bike Fund, which we're going to talk more about in the training log. Um, Keith Burtis and Matthew Bates. Thank you so much. Kai is super excited about his bike that's coming. And, uh, well, if as long as he keeps working at it. And we're going to go put this money on a down on a layaway. And we're teaching him that that's actually how you buy a bike is a layaway, if you can. And, um, and then that way, the goal of the bike, it's at a store just down the street. And it's there waiting for you. So every time you have spare cash, you go put money down on it. And then you're not going into debt. You're uh, buying it gradually. And then you've really worked for it. And so you'll really take care of it. And that's the way you do it. I've bought a lot of bikes on layaway. And it really does work. Bikes don't change that much from year to year. So he's not missing out on anything. Okay. 
Uh, we have a sponsor, uh, Mountain Madness Half. Sunday, May 4th in northern Georgia. This is such a cool race. Um, you want to go check it out. It is a half iron distance. And let me, I'm in, uh, let me, let me scroll up here. It's half iron distance. It's in the mountains of northern Georgia. And they have a king of the mountain and queen of the mountain competition for this monster six mile climb on the side of a mountain. So it's a really hilly half Ironman. And I love half Ironmans. You're going to hear all about it in the Galveston report. And uh, you definitely want to check it out. Huge lake, beautiful lake, Carter's Lake, and mountain valleys, and, and, and just beautiful. And our title sponsor is All Three Sports. So you Google that, and also you can go to Zone 5 Events. Five is the number five. Zone number five events.com and go check it out. Zone 5 events.com slash event slash mountain madness is the name of the race. So thank you guys for being a sponsor of the show. And I guess let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Really, really good stuff in this one, guys. Lots of lots of cool racing tips. And again, I, I did um, four hours and 40 minutes at age 40 for a half Ironman. A really flat and fast half Ironman, but one non, nonetheless. And you're going to get all kinds of tips on how, to, um, how I trained, uh, what I ate, what I did wrong. I did lots of stuff wrong, for sure. And uh, what, so what I would do differently. And, um, and then a little insider's view in uh, being a spectator from Emily and Kai. And, oh, lots of interviews with, um, with uh, other people that showed up and bumping into them and just, you know, crowd noise. It's really cool, man. So I really take you there. I love that part of the show. So, all right, here's the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes. Let's go exercise. Exercise. I'm going to do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right. Training log. Training log. Start it. April 4th. I had to look at my watch. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> April 4th, 2014, and we are in the middle of the quickening for, oh, let's see, Galveston 70.3. It is Friday morning. I just went to swim. I'm going to do a half day work, and then we're going to drive to Galveston. We'll have lots of Kai and Emily on here in a bit. And uh, the race is on Sunday. We're going to drive up Friday afternoon, evening. And then spend the day Saturday hanging out at the expo and picking up any triathlon gear that I might need. And um, let's see, I dug up my wetsuit last night and uh, I kind of wanted to wear my sleeveless one. I have a really nice DeSoto full sleeve wetsuit um, that's uh, really flexible and beautiful and stuff. I wanted to try something. Some of my fastest swim times have been in a sleeveless wetsuit, and it's a cheap sleeveless wetsuit. And there was a study that came out that not a lot of wetsuits wanted, companies wanted to talk about in that the stiffer the wetsuit was in the body, 
you know, not flexible, low-grade rubber. Actually, the faster the swimmers win <laughs> because it keeps your body rigid like a board. And if you push a board through the water lengthwise, it uh, just cruises through really fast. So, um, And then if your shoulders are free, you can just sit there and spin your arms. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the wetsuit was stored. It's an old Xterra that's probably 10 years old. But I wear it every once in a while. Well, it was stored in the garage in the heat. Um, for some reason, it was inside out. And it might have had water in it. It might not when it was hung up. And it ended up, the slick surfaces in, in lots of places ended up sticking to each other. And um, then when I pull it apart, it's ripping rubber apart. Like, it's just tearing the SHIT out of stuff, man. And so, I'm like, I might wear it one last time <laughs> and then be done with it. And then I was like, man, I don't want to buy another sleeveless wetsuit. Um because I've got a really nice DeSoto sleeve. And then I thought, oh, a DeSoto's two-piece. I can buy the DeSoto um, uh, vest, you know? I'm tall, and so the uh, DeSoto's fit really, really well because they're two-piece, and um, they, allow your, uh, they allow you to wear a wetsuit without it jamming up into your crotch, you know? Okay, so I might look for that vest. If there's that vest at the, um, at the, uh, at the expo, I might pick up one of those. Um, I've been cutting down on workouts. This is uh, good training stuff right here. Um, as the race gets closer, uh, starting about uh, about six days out, I started um, cutting back on workouts. Um, either uh, the number of workouts or the length of workouts, and it just kind of depended, and the um, and definitely the intensity at times. Um, and what I did was I just used convenience as a factor, um, except for swimming. So, well, no, okay. Um, if I couldn't go work out, then I'm like, instead of fighting for the workout time, like I usually have to do, I'd be like, well, you know, the race is coming up. I'll skip this one. Um, and that's a method, you know, to, to start tapering is um, start allowing your, your life to uh, interfere with your with your training, well, then you're getting your life stuff done that you need to get done, and uh, and you're tapering at the same time. So then, let's see if we work backwards. Today's Sunday, and or today's Sunday. The race is on Sunday, so I did my last. Um, I did my last swim on Friday, right? So two days out, I swam. And three days out, I did my last run, but it was a very casual run. I, I wasn't even looking at the pace or anything like that. I ran for an hour, but it was just easy. And um, um, then four days out, I swam, I ran, and I biked, but it was um, not, at, not at any kind of significant intensity. And it was more just to stay fit for the race, you know, to have some volume in me so that, um, <clears throat> you know, just time on my feet. Oh, last night, I, <laughs> last night was freaking crazy. Um, the, uh, the storm comes through in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m., and it is one hellacious storm. But we didn't know it. Well, I think I kind of sensed it a little bit. 
And then um, Emily and I are, are sleeping in our bed, and she kind of rolls over and faces away from me, and then all of a sudden goes, "Holy crap!" like that. It's <laughs> like I sat up and I go, "What the hell?" And uh, Kai, our nine-year-old, was standing there in the bedroom in the dark, uh, you know, just staring inches away from the bed just standing there and he goes I'm scared because it was lightning and stuff and uh and I said you're scared what <laughs> freaking demon child man like what are you doing <laughs> you scared the hell out of everybody in the house and uh so we stayed up a little bit last night watching the weather and watching the storm pass through making sure there was no tornado warnings and uh, there was a bunch of tornadoes all across the United States last night and um it was really intense the wind was really, really strong. Um, and then it blew through, and then it got really cold this morning. It's cold for down here. It's in the 50s, I think. So um, then, uh, but before all that, last night, oh, so I didn't get much, I didn't get um, good sleep last night, but but I was, like, okay with it. I was like, oh, well, you know, you're tapering for a race, and uh, you don't have any workouts that are, like, critical. So um, it's okay if, you know, stay up with your kid, make sure he's happy and safe, and and, uh, like, well, you should every night anyway, but I'm just saying, you know, like, um, you know, whatever. And then, so when I woke up this morning, I, I missed my alarm and I snoozed a little bit apparently, and I didn't get in as long as a swim as I wanted, but I was like, that's good actually. Um, you know, cut it short because I'm tapering. So it's all right. And so like, instead of an hour swim, I, you know, I got in like 44, 43 minutes or something like that. So no big deal. And then, um, and I did a lot of swimming with my head out of the water this morning. I started doing that about three, two swims ago, swimming more and more with my head out of the water, um, sight, sight practicing, uh, Galveston Bay is, um, murky. So you're not gonna be able to see anything. And then, um, but also yesterday evening, well, yesterday all I did was run, and I ran at lunch. And my past few lunch runs, I've been running in the heat on purpose. Oh, and I did a guest blog post. Oh, what's the website? Uh, Swim Bike Stumble is the name of the blog, so Google that. I did a blog post, a guest blog post, with a photo of what's in my run bag for work and um, and uh, an explanation of all the stuff that I use. And it's um, specifically... Uh, focused at trying to run in the middle of the day on purpose to get hot so that race day at Ironman Texas, well, it's too far away from Ironman Texas for, you know, heat training to be really effective right now. But so I was doing it, getting in the practice in the groove for it for uh, Galveston because uh, Galveston could have been a hot race. It looks like the weather right now, it may not be a hot race at all. It may be pretty cool, which actually I'll, I'll go faster because I do faster and cool races. Uh, I, I run better. And then, um, we may not even have a swim at Galveston because of lightning, you know, who knows? Um, we've got fronts and crazy storms and stuff coming through. It's all scheduled by mother nature. And, uh, for Sunday looking at the forecast, but if it's anything like last night, it blows through in an hour, you know? And, um, Anyway, so yesterday evening, uh, after dinner, was it after dinner? Yeah, I think after dinner. Um, oh, I went and picked Kai up from triathlon practice and, um, 
talked to his coach for a little bit. Oh, that reminds me of something else. Anyway, I talked to his coach for a little bit, and uh, just for like a minute. And uh, then uh, we got home, had some dinner, and then Kai wanted to do like full-on combat on the, our trampoline in the backyard. <laughs> and Emily got up there too. And uh, just lots of double bouncing and people screaming and, and asking you know, for me to stop. Because I'd, I'd like weigh double of everybody else on there so I can bounce people until they basically pee their pants. And, um, man, it's a good workout. When you're going anaerobic on a trampoline and have to fall down to catch your breath and lay there while other people jump on top of you, then uh, that's good family fun, right? So then, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, so then this morning, that was yesterday evening. This morning when I go swim, well, Kai's triathlon coach is in the uh, water too. And um, and he's got a woman with him in another lane. He's kind of talking to her some. And, and so I hop in. And then uh, Louis goes, uh, hey, Brett, how's it going? This is my sister. And she's doing the, there's a local triathlon uh, this weekend. And uh, she's doing a local triathlon uh, here. So I'm giving her some swim tips. And I go, oh, cool. So we swam a few laps. And then I noticed, oh, uh, she said, yeah, if you know, if you know anything, let me know. <laughs> and and uh, I said, um, basically, the summary of of what I've learned and this is this is really insightful <laughs> there's so much to this and those of you that know know exactly what I'm talking about I said it's easy to do the highest cadence that you can possibly sustain without going anaerobic and that's it and she goes huh okay yeah that makes sense and uh, it's true you with the math training I've done, you can you can learn where your limit is aerobically, you know, because that's something you can sustain for long periods of time is aerobic, and the the more time you spend on that line, just below going anaerobic, um, the your body your you, your timing with um, how fast your cadence gets. Uh, gets more and more improved and you end up getting a higher and higher and higher cadence with everything swim bike and run because you get better at it it's like playing a, a riff on a guitar the more you do it the faster you get and the faster you get and the faster you get until it's just a blur right but the whole time you're being aerobic right so you can see it in the uh, running world where you see somebody plodding along at a really low cadence versus somebody with a really high turnover you know who's going to be faster and the person with the really high turnover is going to be faster, but they've got to be aerobic, you know, to sustain it. So if you go to the edge of aerobic and focus on a high cadence, you end up getting better and better. Your coordination gets better so that you can keep um, spinning your legs or your arms faster and faster and faster. And you're like, well, you know, what if I'm just spinning through the water with my hands? Um, well, the more you do it, the more, pro, what is it, proprioception that you get where you learn to feel a grip on the water. So now you're going faster and you're getting a better grip and the timing and everything. And with running, it's, it's um, you know, you get a better, you get a better feel for push off um, with the higher turnover. And with uh, cycling, you get a better alignment of your legs and a better push with your legs and a better position um, that you can sustain at a really high turnover. And, um, and that's it. That's really all there is to it. So, and then all that training, uh, yeah, 
man, it's just like you can go forever. It's really crazy. And the more you do it, that's the other thing I've learned from all the volume is the more you do it, the better you get, the more of an expert you get at your own body and when you need to pull back a little bit and uh, regain some energy because you went too, a little bit too hard. But all you got to do is just you know pull back for like a minute, not even sometimes, and then all of a sudden your body recuperates and uh, you can um, pick back up again you know, and go, okay, well, that was a little bit too hard. Uh, how hard's the right amount of hard, you know? So, that's it. Gotta go. Out, bing. Whole lot more here in a bit. How do I do this? Where do I stop it? There it goes. There it yeah. All right, we are on the beach, if you can't tell by the screaming seagulls. Mine. 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 And the surf is awesome today. Look at those over there, right? So if you're new to the show, um, I used to surf a lot and was really into it. And then picked up triathlon swimming, picked up swimming again for surf practice because we live so far from the beach. And then eventually just got into doing triathlon and kind of got away from surfing. But we still got all my surfboards and stuff. And uh, I was even in a surf contest where I got last place. Oh, yeah, I forgot. But anyway, on occasion, Texas has about once a, once a week, we have a good day. We just had a big storm, too. And it's, it's weather-driven here, like local weather-driven. And we just had all this, this storm come through. So now these waves are beautiful today. Clear. And the water's actually clear today. Water in Galveston is usually brown. And um, so now we're walking down the, uh, the beach, looking at seashells. We walked out on a jetty. And, uh, what is that? That's seaweed. Eat it. <laughs> That's nasty. No. So, how are you we feeling? You feeling relaxed all of a sudden? Yeah, we got a pretty good location this year, right by a good restaurant, right across the street from the beach. Right by a good restaurant. Come out! Next to Kroger. We're next to Kroger. Stop. Next to the restaurant. And supposedly they have a heated pool, so Kai can swim in the pool, pool later. So, a laughing gull is a gull that goes, <laughs> did you know that day? Mm-mm. Yep. There's different kinds of seagulls. So if you listen to the way they call, there weren't one. It went, <laughs> like that. That's a laughing gull. So, oh, look at those breaking out there by the jetty. So uh, it's Friday evening. We got lots of, not tons of daylight, but we got a nice walk in. Kai's picking up gross crap out of the water. Hey Kai, do you like the beach? Yes. What do you like doing at the beach? Playing. 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 Yeah. All right. We need to come to the beach more often now. He's named after the ocean, mate. I know. So, we're going to get some uh, dinner. And uh, my strategy right now is usually when we travel to a race... I end up not eating enough because I'm like, oh, it, it'll double as, you know, like making sure I don't overeat before a race. And I think I end up having trouble during the race because I haven't eaten enough. And uh, I'm on purpose not doing that. If I get hungry, I eat. I don't put it off. So uh, we drove through Houston almost rush hour. We got to Galveston right before five, right? And uh, or right at five. So I think that's it. 
The waves are crashing really. Man, they're really big right there. They're pumping. We need to get a stand-up paddleboard. Do more water stuff. There's a surfer right here. So, I remember the first time I ever saw surfing, I was like, I gotta do this. This is the coolest thing ever. So, then I graduated up to triathlon, I think. Anyway, that's it. That was a laughing goal. Did you hear that one, me? Kai, where's your shoes? I can get your feet wet and carry you over to the, uh, the sidewalk. How about that? Let's do that. Mommy, you carry my shoes. All right. Out. You cannot go do the bike or the run. You're done. Um, and we will take your chip. Uh, when we, when you walk All right, I am at the uh, race meeting before the race. You can hear him going on in the background about the swim. In fact, you might not even be able to hear me very well. But I thought you'd enjoy the soundscape here. We are uh, on a big open field. It's windswept. It's overcast. It's cold. Not too cold, but it's like in the. It's like about 60 degrees. And there's a giant paddle wheeler behind him as he's giving his talk up on a little stage. A big Iron Man logo behind him and a Jeep, a Jeep Grand Cherokee to the right of him and a Jeep Wrangler on the left. They're sponsors. And then. I'm facing him, looking out over the body of water. That's a big bayou. It's really a bay that we're going to uh, swim in. It's salt water. And we're, well, let's see, behind me is the uh, transition area with uh, 2,500 bikes in it or so. And it's the same area where Lance parked his Learjet several years ago right. when I raced them and oh glasses table that's interesting I didn't know they do that so they have a table at the swim exit where you can leave glasses and stuff so that when you Actually, for Ironman races, it's real easy. We, we do you come out of the water, you can grab your glasses. That's kind of cool. Anyway, so Emily and Kai are about to join me over here. We had a, a show fan named Keith come up to me. Um, I'm wearing my Zen and the Art of Triathlon t-shirt. And uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, are you Brett? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, I listen to the show. So. That was pretty cool, man. If you ever see me somewhere, let me know. I love talking to people, so, obviously. All right, we'll pick up again here in a minute. Why do they, why do they take off good apps? I don't know. I'm here with... So now you're recording me. I'm recording So I'm here with Tri Evangelist. How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah. And we're talking about, uh, let's see... 70.3 Austin, Buffalo Springs. You're thinking about doing Buffalo Springs? Yeah, yeah. Might be crazy Depending enough. on how you do today. Depending There's 25 bucks off the, the torture chamber of Buffalo Springs. <laughs> if I survive this. If you survive this. If, yeah, if I survive tomorrow. I remember Buffalo Springs. I finished the bike, and then I ran about 100 feet. And then that was, and then, uh, and then I had to walk. 
Well, that's what happened. And that's awesome. the one where I finished, and the guy finished right behind me. He goes, man, that was so awesome. You looked terrible, and you would not stop. <laughs> Dude. Well, it's like, okay, so I did Austin five years ago, and my wife was there, and I, I remember telling her after that, I'm, I'm not sure how soon I want to repeat this experience. Yeah, it's really rough. That's rough. Yeah. I mean, these things are really rough, and yeah. so now I'm back. My goal for years was, Emily will remember, to actually run the entire run of a half Ironman. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I was finishing at 13 minute mile, 13 and a half, 14 minute mile. Especially that one in Bernie is like so really rough. And Buffalo Springs. And then I got to where I could. I ran the entire one. And it. I was doing like 15 minute miles, like 16 minute miles, because I was having to really just implode, you know. Then I got to where I could run it the whole thing and that was like a 12 minute mile 13 minute mile you know and then i started being able to run a little bit faster and then and then i and then i managed to finally like run like hard one and then be like wow that's pretty good what's that whole thing you talk about where your body kind of catches up yeah and your 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 heart rate gets down you kind of recover and your body starts being able to process fuel again yeah yeah by slowing down like i remember the and and also the frozen strawberries yeah those were like yeah that was like the nectar of the gods and it like transform me into a person who could actually run again yeah so you said you're gonna do austin this fall uh-huh. i'm gonna do it too probably i haven't signed up yet but that's cool we're, i'm probably we're gonna do tomorrow, it tomorrow we're here at the same race today tomorrow we're gonna to be in the same swim wave yeah that's right the exact same swim wave we're the same our our bike racks are on the same bike yeah. you know on the our bikes we're wearing the, the same rack. t-shirt right now and we are we're, we're total twinkies we're zen <laughs> we're zen tri-army twinkies yeah. <laughs> this feels pretty good, doesn't it? It's crazy. I know. He's in my cult. <laughs> That's right. John Hirsch has his evil racing cult. Oh, we're way better than we, that. We've we got, got the Zentri Army. That's right. The Zentri Army. That's right. What do you think, Kai? How do we look on our shirts? Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that's right. We're totally zen. Totally. You want to ask the talk? What? What? What's going on? Oh, his personality out of control. It's going to start doing some push ups, is what I think. <laughs> Sounds like good audio. Yeah. Good what, did, audio. what did he say? <laughs> Not worth repeating. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool, man. So we're going to have fun. We are, man. I am so, I'm excited. It's right. going to be great. Cool. Thanks for doing the interview, man. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for interviewing me. <laughs> good to be here. All right. We are back in the hotel room the night before the race. I feel like we've had a really good weekend, Bay. Emily's putting on her PJs. After seven. It's after seven. It's PJ time. <laughs> and Kai is uh, on an iPad building a house on stilts. He's inspired by the stilts on the of the houses on the island out in the water in Minecraft. Right, Kai? Mm-hmm. And the house has a whole deck around the outside. Are you building the stairways down to the water level so that people can walk down? Not right now. Okay, you will in a little bit. And I have uh, Google Maps up, and I'm looking at the um, the race course. There's some changes with um, a few more turns in the race course, and it's funny how you know a course evolves over the years, and. Um, uh, with it being rainy tomorrow morning is the is probably what we're gonna get. Then um, these turns might be interesting. Might have a few wipeouts as 
people are uh, trying to go fast through these turns. And let's see, last night we ate at Tortugas. Uh, my go-to food uh, that... All right, I'm back. We had a little emergency there. Anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> we didn't. The um, go-to food in Texas and lots of places is Mexican food because you can get beans and rice and uh, salsa, which is really fruits and veggies. Um, and then however much meat you want, you get um, fajita-style meat, and you can kind of pick, and, and not too much cheese, because I found that the, or any, um, cheese um, will, um, is too greasy, and it'll give you an upset stomach the next day during the race. And uh, guacamole seems to be pretty much okay, but not too much of that either. But um, tacos al carbon is a good one, and so is just uh, plain old fajitas. So, Friday night, ate at Tortugas, which is on the seawall, then boxed up the leftovers, brought them back, and snacked on them later at night, and then, yes, uh, today, and then tonight went to Salsa's, and both times we sat real close to the windows, looking out over the water, right, Bay? And we went to the Strand earlier today, which is old, historic, downtown Galveston, which has a whole bunch of shops and stuff. Um, uh, Emily wanted to do a bunch of stuff like that and do, um, like, there's a uh, a uh, carnival. What do you call that? Pleasure Pier. Pleasure Pier. It's not, yeah. Anyway, they got roller coasters and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, that's too much walking for me to do a race the next day. I have to run a half marathon the next day. So, um, so we went to Academy and I bought a, um, long sleeve. I was going to do under armor if I couldn't find anything else, but BCG is really cheap and I got BCG, um, compression, a compression top. That's like super tight. And I'll wear that over the top of my Amrita kit to get a little extra warmth tomorrow. And I might wear it under my wetsuit so I don't have to try to put it on tomorrow while I'm getting on the bike. I can just hop on the bike and already have it on. And then, um, or take off the wetsuit and already have it on. And um, I've actually got gloves. I thought that far ahead. And I'll, I'll have them in the transition area and I'll decide whether to put them on or not when I get to the bike. There's a whole lot of stuff. It's really interesting. Um... Uh, I've learned over the years with a whole lot of things, not just triathlon, but I'll start wor worrying. I'm well, not worrying, but you know, it'll start consuming my mind, planning about what what should I do then, what should I do then. It, you know, uh, should I wear gloves or not? You know, like all these decisions, and I'm like, I don't need to decide right now. I can decide tomorrow, so don't worry about it. And um, because the weather is actually the uh, big determiner, and there's a a chance it'll be warm enough. <laughs> and there's also a chance it'll be cold enough. So who knows, you know? So just bring the gloves and put them in the transition area and decide when. So come here, Ray. You having fun? Mm-hmm. It's been a really good weekend. Fun. What Mexican food did you get at the Mexican restaurant tonight? Quit making fun of me. I got a cheeseburger because... Oh, a Mexican cheeseburger? Because we ate at Tortugas last night, and I had just eaten the half of my enchilada before we went earlier i had enough mexican food are you picking at your armpit right now what's going on something on my arm anyway so yeah we're having a great time kai's kind of bummed that we haven't gotten to spend more time like 
in the water. At the beach, in the water. But we've done other stuff this time that we don't usually do, like the strand, you know. And, yes, I am very upset that we didn't get to go to the um, Carnival Pleasure Pier thing. Why don't you all go to that tomorrow while I'm – there was nobody on it. There was none none of the rides were going. Well, if it's raining tomorrow, we're not going to be able to leave. You know. Oh, I guess that's too bad then. Maybe when it's over, I can we can drive down and I can at least walk down the pier by myself and look at it. Yeah. We can call you on your cell phone yeah. and you can tell us what it's like. Yeah, I'll ride all the Kai. roller coasters. By okay, myself. so I don't like roller coasters. Neither does Kai. And it's so, so funny I'm that Kai doesn't. Up. Kai doesn't either. Emily loves them. Yes. And uh, all so those rides like that where it drops you upside down and yeah. flips you around. I don't, I don't like that. them at all. And so, I think it's just funny that. So a family event at an amusement park. That's the word I was looking for. At an amusement park would be just Emily <laughs> doing all the rides yeah, and Kai and I sit and like sitting around eating cotton candy or something like that. <laughs> just sitting on a bench. I'm sure um, I can find someone that'll ride with me. Nah. Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay. So Kai, are you excited about tomorrow? Yes. What are you going to do tomorrow to not be bored while I'm out doing this race? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, start thinking tonight of things you can do. But this this race, the the half Ironman with you, it goes by so fast. By the time we, I mean, really, there's not a whole lot of time to kill like at Ironman Texas, you know. So like, we'll watch you start to swim, and then we'll kill. We have to hurry and get back over to see you get out of the swim because you're only in the water for like 30 minutes. And then once we see you on the bike, that'll probably be the longer part that we. I think my bike ride should take two and a half hours. Yeah, so really Depending. it's not that long. So we'll probably try to find some food at that point and then come back and watch you come in on the bike and then see you do the different loops on the run. I mean, there's really... Yeah, that's like true. It's not that find, bad. It's not like trying to kill 12 hours. You know? <laughs> so, but anyway, so yeah. it'll be It's fun. not like I'm gone on like a five, six-hour bike yeah. ride. Yeah. So, and we can look for the other people we met this weekend that I got their numbers and stuff. All okay, people. so cool. Yeah. Y'all have fun, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We always have fun. Okay. Unless it's pouring down rain, <laughs> I'm not going to be thrilled, but we'll be out there. That's true. I agree with you on that one. All right. Well, cool. That's it for tonight. I've got to – you can go back to whatever you're doing, but I'm going to talk to myself for a minute. Okay. okay you can you can, you can can lurk there. No, my hair is apparently pushed down on my face. Okay. Thanks, babe. <laughs> God. <laughs> go look in the mirror. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, we just went to the grocery store and got groceries uh, for overnight, food for tomorrow. Um, we have Amrita bars, but as a backup, you know, Cliff bars, um, a Gatorade pre-race, whatever that thing is in a plastic pouch nowadays. And then, uh, let's see, what else did we get? Oh, uh, we got some uh, eggs and a glass um, little jar thing to cook scrambled eggs in in the morning in case I want some. I got some oatmeal. Um, my uh, race fuel f- tonight, I'm going to make in a bike bottle. I'm going to make my entire fuel for the bike ride. And I've already got um, however many gels per hour. And I'm just going to squeeze them. And I'm calculating two and a half hours. So I'm squeezing them into the, um, into the uh, bottle. And then some extra to go along with it. And they have four aid stations on the bike, so I can grab something if I'm starting to feel like it's not going to last. And what else, babe? I don't know. Wait to start moving things around until you're done. Uh-oh. Emily's going to start nesting here in a minute, so I better get out of the way or else I'll get put into a drawer or something. 
And I put a helmet sticker on the helmet and race number on the race belt and lay out my stuff for tomorrow. And we already calculated backwards from when the transition area closes of what time we need to leave in the morning. So we're all set. Now it's just chill time. That's it. It's been nice. Way to make a weekend out of the race, for sure. All right. Out. All right. I am in the transition area. Morning of the race. Leaving the transition area. The body marking area. And walking over to the... Uh, well, that's a lot of nervous energy back there. I'm glad to be out of that. Walking over to the hotel. It is... 6.30 in the morning and my wave doesn't start until 7.50. I'm all done getting my bike set up and let's see, I need to figure out where I'm going let's go this way I'm walking around Moody Gardens Moody is the family super wealthy family. They got this whole place established and it's a giant aquarium and 3D Max, whatever it's called, theater, all that stuff. Penguins! So, you can hear all the ruckus going on over there. It's um, very foggy and misting rain, but not really raining. It's raining just the tiniest bit. So, I think this is as cold as it's going to get, and even though I'm not exercising, well, I'm not exercising, but I'm a little bit chilly, but it's 65 degrees, and it's going to warm up to 70, and winds will be out of the southeast at first, and then the south, and we're riding right into that. So, then we turn around and come back. So on the way back, we'll have a tailwind and kind of start warming up. Oh, wow, that was intense. <laughs> so I've got a grocery sack full of um, food and water. And I'm going to hang out with Emily and Kai until it gets close to my race start time. And then... Uh, Put on my wetsuit, strip, well, strip down out of my jacket and shorts, then put on my wetsuit. Well, I sure took the long way around. I'm not sure I'm going to go the right way. And I was thinking I could be in the bushes if there was nobody here. I still might do that anyway. Okay, Emily just called me and said she's laying on the couch that's right next to the Starbucks. <laughs> so I learned this, I guess it was last year or the year before, is um, go to, the, you know, the race site, the transition area and everything, barefoot and it's cold and windy, and just kind of a general mess of uh, being elements and nervous energy. 
And then with um, all that nervous energy, you don't really make good decisions. You know, you're like, maybe I shouldn't eat. Maybe I should eat. start getting all kinds of weird stuff going on. You can go to the the, the uh, Moody Gardens Hotel, and they have this lobby and a Starbucks, and it's it's like a you know four or five star hotel, I guess. It's like really really nice. So it's engineered to be all like soothing, pleasant, very sophisticated. So you can sit there and listen to like orchestra music gently playing in the background instead of using a porta can where you can't see anything because it's dark and it reeks. Oh, let's see, I heard a thing. That's 640. Pro Wave doesn't start till seven, I think. Um, the, the bathrooms in there have like multiple stalls and marble countertops. And, you know, everything's air conditioned and nice. It's very pleasant. <laughs> So in my grocery sack, I've got bottles of water and Amrita bars, Cliff bars. Um, Amrita bars are actually soothing on the stomach. That's what I'm going to start eating here to snack on. So I got calories up until the end. <sighs> and uh, mind process, M-I-N-D process, is um, if anything goes wrong in this race, I'm not really that worried about it. Like, say, mechanical. I'm not, like, you know, wrecking kind of sucks but I'm saying like uh you know I get to the transition area and I have to spend extra time finding my shoes because somebody's moved them or something like that or I got a flat tire and I got to fix it um ooh, nice Nissan 300z very pretty the um the point to this race is just um a demonstration to myself of what I've done in training to make sure that uh, I'm all nice and fit. And uh, the real race is Ironman Texas. And Ironman Texas is so long that if something happens in that race, it just takes a minute or two, it really won't affect you because it's such a long day. So this is only a long day as well, a long half day. So um, to just really enjoy it. And not get all caught up. Um, this race more than ever. I don't ha- seem to have much anxiety. Which is nice. So. I'm now in the parking garage. Under the hotel. There's an elevator in the parking garage. That goes up to the hotel. I'm going to take that. See Emily. We'll pick up again there. Out. Once I learn how to turn this thing on. Alright. I'm here with Zentri Nurse and Kai. We're walking to the race start. How's it going? It's a little, little nippy. You've got a nap in the uh, hotel <laughs> yeah. lobby on, on the, the couches. Couch. Yeah. You're kind of homeless. <laughs> what are you trying to say? How about you, Kai? Comfortable. We gave Kai my phone and let him play. What were you playing? Angry Birds Star Wars. Angry Birds Star Wars. How, how'd you do? Good. Okay, there's our ever effervescent Kai with lots of, lots of words. How was it having a Starbucks waiting for you when you sat down? That was awesome. It took that long to cool it down. Yeah. <laughs> I left the top off for a while. Yeah. So, friends, that's the way to do it at this race. Totally depends on how your wave starts are. We still got half an hour. Almost half an hour. Until mine. 
so we're just taking our time. Sun's up. It's stopped raining, <laughs> but there's no. It's, it's daylight. Emily's Emily's upset. There's not enough sun. Um, 70 degrees, so it feels cool. So with the breeze, it's jackets and trying to stay warm, but very humid, right? Cold. I don't know. I so don't it's know. like we're in a tundra rainforest. Yeah, we are. Actually. And I stayed up way, way too late last night watching Game of Thrones, man. I'm now so into it. It's so good. I like it. We don't get hobo, though, do we? No, we don't get hobo. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to watch it online or something like that and catch up. Anyway, that's it. Maybe more before the race start. Maybe not. Here's the big hill on the run, Kai. This is it. <laughs> what, it rises like, what do you say, eight feet? Nine feet? But you got to go over this three times. By the end of the run, you feel it. <laughs> You're like, damn it. So, um, I don't think we can go this way. This is the wrong way. We got to go this way. Okay, that's it. Out. We've got confusion. we got to go back. I'm here with Kai after the race. And y'all hear that bittersweet symphony? I can feel in the moan. I can feel in the moan. A million different people from one day to the next. I can change my mo. No, 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 no. That's Emily and mine, your mom's and mine's uh, wedding song. I know. I picked it out. And it wasn't popular yet, but when I first heard it, I was like, this is so beautiful. And it's got classical, and apparently it's got some Rolling Stones in there. The guy who's uh, the singer is Jagger. I got moves like Jagger. Can you sing that part? You're not going to? Anyway, I did 440. We'll talk more about it in a little bit. I got a lot of stuff to tell y'all. I did a lot of stuff right and proved a lot of stuff, like the math. I proved both that math works and that loading up on the bike works so that you don't even need to eat on the run. So we'll get all to that in a minute. Emily went to the car to get my jacket. I'm having post-race cold. Not terrible. But if I, lock, if I walk a long way to the car into the wind, I'll be... I'll go kind of mildly hypothermic, so I'm going to sit here, and Emily's going to get my car and bring it back. It's a hurricane simulator. <laughs> That's cool. And then I asked Kai if he wants to play Angry Birds on my phone. What would you say? Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to give Kai the recorder. I mean the phone. I mean the Angry Birds machine. And he's going to have some fun. All right. Cool. Hey, cool. thanks Thanks for being support crew today. That was really nice. You're welcome. I liked it. Love you, man. I love you. All right, we are back. It's Tuesday after the race. Tuesday morning, leaving the pool. Hold on, I gotta zip up my fly. Okay. <laughs> nice little swim. Um, after a race, usually the first thing I do to get back into the mode after taking a little bit of rest is a swim. Because for triathlon, your upper body's usually okay or mostly okay and um, the legs could use a little bit of therapy and so swimming 
um, kind of shakes out the legs without any impact. It's kind of nice. And you get a little swim in. It feels good. Get back on track without waiting too long. And then uh, last night, Monday evening, I had a gift certificate for a massage that a family member had given me a while back. And so I had scheduled that uh, Swedish, Swedish massage for an hour last night. And uh, she was like, are there any problem areas? And I go, well, <laughs> I've got a huge wetsuit burn on the right side of my neck. And um, my legs are really sore. And what else? The, um, I've got blisters across the tops of my feet from jumping on a trampoline with my son and pushing off, landing on my knees and pushing off with the tops of my feet. I ended up burning up my feet. So I got a bunch of little raw spots she's like okay sounds totally weird <laughs> but anyway um i've got it yeah i've got a nasty wetsuit burn um let's go ahead and start covering the race uh first off i think when i left you last we were um uh talking about in the transition area that i uh was paying attention uh you know, where my bike was and stuff. So I did something, I had great transitions this time, really fast, much faster than ever before. And, um, what I'd done is the row that my bike was on and there's 2,500 people or so in this race, the row that my bike was on, I, um, noticed a marking on the pavement that was distinctive just to that row. And then where my bike was down that row, it's a long walk, jog, run, down that row, um, my bike lined up exactly with a, um, a budget truck, a budget rental truck. Now that I think of it, that's not a very good thing to mark off of. <laughs> Don't mark off of something that moves. Anyway, um, uh, outside of the transition area, I could line up with a budget rental truck. Sorry, got the hiccups. And, and so, um, when I came out of the swim, I just ran, uh, just had faith in the marking on the pavement. It was a parking line, so it wasn't going anywhere. And then turned and then ran and then started looking for that truck. And then bam, was right there. So I had really fast transitions. Okay, so anyway, the, um, uh, the swim, oh, before the swim start, uh, ran into John again, John... And, uh, and I think his, another guy came up to me and said, Hey, are you Brett from Zentri? And I said, yeah. And, uh, I think his name, I think this guy's name was Jerry. And, um, I had so many people come up to me before, during, and after the race that said they were fans of the show. I mean, that was super cool. So thanks everybody. That really means a lot. And of course that's going to happen at a Texas Ironman, you know, and it made the race so much more fun and exciting to have friends uh, all going into the water together. You know, we were really having a good time, guys. So that was really cool. Anyway, the um, the swim, uh, you jump off of a pier. Your wave does, and you're all wearing the same color swim cap for your wave, and then you wait. Um, and we were being fired off in waves about three minutes apart. And uh, the pros went off at like 7 or 7.15 or something like that. And my wave was at 7.50. So I had, you know, a weight. Um, I, before the swim, I drank a Gatorade, this pack, this packet that's like a plasticky thing. That's basically just, you know, Gatorade. And, um, and jumped in the water 
and there's so 2,500 people in the race, 340 uh, male, 40 to 44 age group started. 300 finished, finished. 340 finished. <laughs> so um, that's who I was racing against. And so my wave, they broke us up into three different waves. So you're, you know, like. Um, 110, 115 people per wave, right? And so we're all uh, in the water waiting. We got a minute or two as the people in the waves in front of us are taking off. Uh, the wind is out of the northeast, so we're going to swim right into that. So there's rollers coming in. Not too bad, but definitely significant open water chop. Very, very, uh, very much an open water choppy swim at first. So. And then there was a whole lot of laughing, as guys do. Like, man, the water sure got warm all of a sudden because everybody's peeing in their wetsuit and around them. Almost everybody was wearing a wetsuit. Rare occasion, there was somebody without one. I was wearing a DeSoto um, full-length, uh, full-sleeve suit, which was nice and warm. And um, partway through the swim, the left arm in mine kind of fills up with water and starts dragging my arm down. I don't, I'm, I'm going to look at getting a DeSoto vest instead of a full um, so I get better uh, arm work out of out of my arms I think I could swim faster than what I did anyway the um, but as far as fit like you know is choking you or being too tight or being a tall person a DeSoto is two piece is just freaking great anyway um, so gun or cannon or horn or whatever it was went off and the Sunto Ambit has triathlon mode and I forgot, I should have tested it again before I used it, because I usually do. Oh, I'm stuck behind somebody. I usually test this, and I forgot. Um, it's got the best uh, triathlon mode I've seen, way better than the Garmin 910, in that um, to switch between sports, like say, you, you say you're done with the swim, and um, you want to switch to um, transition, right so you can time your transition and then switch to trend from transition to bike stuff like that you hold down the lap button for like uh, two seconds or something like that so it's a long press of the lap button so there's no risk that you're going to switch modes by accident and that is really really cool you know um and i forgot that so on my i i was worried that if i hit the lap button i was by accident that i was going to um uh switch out of the swim and into the bike too too soon so i started the watch a few um a f like 30 seconds before i needed to so the my workout has the swim lasting just a tad bit longer than it's supposed to like uh 31 and a half minutes instead of 31 so anyway um and my, my swim took 31 minutes and um so we take off and in the practices leading up to this race the, like the three practices leading up I swam a lot with my head out of the water and practicing sighting and um, that really came in handy because we started swimming and it's crazy man like it was choppy <laughs> and and uh, I've learned that you're wearing a wetsuit so you're going to float no matter what so just swim you know let the water toss you around don't try to fight it just roll with it and just swim and you'll be fine and once you give in to that you can actually kind of have a lot of fun. It's like, man, watch how these waves are bouncing me around and I can't sink. It's kind of fun, you know? 
and just keep swimming and uh, you'll make progress. And um, I did a high cadence and, and uh, was sighting and stuff. And I barely went off course just a little bit one time. Um, and it's a three-leg swim. So uh, the first leg was into the wind. And, uh, and then I noticed that around me there was only two other guys that were my speed. And there was nobody in front of me. And so I was like, holy crap, we're, we're winning the swim for our age group. And uh, we're out in front. And, and, um, and then I thought, well, don't get crazy. Don't get sucked into winning the swim because um, that's how you lose a triathlon is overdoing it on the swim, you know. So just, you know, relax and, and um, use these guys as pacers to let you know what could be done. But don't kill yourself to stay with them if they, if they take off. And try to draft off of them. I tried drafting a little bit off of one of them, and, and it kind of worked. And then after a while, I'm like, nah, I don't know what's going on around here. It's it's so choppy, and like, can't really see where everybody's going. I could get, I could draft off of somebody and and um, end up going the wrong way. So, um, or going off course, really. And so at one point, we turned the first buoy, and after that turn, shortly after that turn, oh. We weren't even to the first buoy yet. We started catching the waves in front of us. And um, you can just see these people that are just overwhelmed in the, in the swim, like, like panicking, looking around, um, holding on to the, to the uh, boats and all kinds of stuff. And I know it sucks, right? You're not a good swimmer, and this is choppy water, and it's rough. Um, my recommendation always is... Uh, Swim in a pool without lane ropes with a lot of people in it. Swim angles all over the place. Get in the open water in the uh, open ocean if you can. Try to pick up surfing as a sport. Once you learn, not even really learn to surf, but once you try to learn to surf, um, swimming open water just seems so much easier. Um, then, uh, and surfing is a lot more accessible than you think it is. So then, uh, I got to go into W to the ERK, but I'll I'll leave you with this. Um, I noticed then it, it was three of us that were in the lead with the white swim caps. And then all of a sudden there was two and we're about halfway through the swim. And, uh, and then, um, all this sighting practice was keeping me right on track, you know, like where to go. And, um, I don't sight on the buoy right in front of me. I sight about three buoys down and head for that one in general. Um, then the, uh, all of a sudden, I noticed that the guy, I had just sighted, so I knew I was going the right way, and then I saw the guy that I was, um, that was in my wave, that the, that was going my speed, the last guy that I was racing against, um, he was heading the wrong direction, he was swerving off to the right, and heading off at a 45 degree angle off to the, (laughs) he, he just gotten turned, and there was a little, I felt like there was a little bit of current or something, and, uh, and I was like, ha ha, he's gone, now it's all mine. And I'll finish up the swim here in a minute when we come back. All right. Bam. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Leaving free birds burrito. <clears throat> Ate about half the burrito. And I'm going to swing by my house and get my bike set up on the trainer so that uh, I can ride on it later. I'm not going to bike ride. Step one is just getting it on the trainer. So, anyway, um, so what were we, where were we? We were on the swim. I'm uh, leaving on the swim. Oh, I'm on the uh, 
the third leg of the swim. So we've made this final turn and we're swimming towards this like paddle wheeler and we're gonna come in and you can sight pretty easily now, well comparatively speaking. And I'm uh, you know fully in the mix of, of the previous waves ahead of us. There's people freaking everywhere and trying to swim through that and um, without you know hurting myself or banging into anybody. And then what happened? Oh, I look around a little bit and I can't see the guy anymore that was was uh, my competition for winning the wave. And so now it's just me <laughs> with a white cap on. And I'm like, I'm winning. I'm winning just my wave, but I'm winning, man. And it was really, really cool. Uh, that is such an awesome feeling, at least in some part of a, of a race, to be in the front, you know. And I knew it wasn't going to last very long, so I just enjoy it. And um, let's see, during the swim, uh, I did... Uh, math swimming, which is maximum aerobic function. I'm, I'm pulling without going into lactic burn, and I'm keeping a high cadence, and I'm breathing without having to huff too hard for air, and just going with that. You know, what, however fast that is, is how fast it is, and just kind of throw yourself into the pit, and that's what you get. So then, um, got a little bit of water in my goggles, so a trick that you can do that I did twice was you do a spin. Um, you roll over on your back to do backstroke so that you're still moving and then you pop your goggles so that your uh, water runs out and then continue rolling over onto your other side and uh, start something freestyle again. And I did that twice. Um, one for each um, eye socket. Um and never really lost momentum, kept on going. Uh, the GPS track for the Sunto Ambit shows a nice uh, track. A couple times kind of went off course, maybe just a little bit, but nothing too serious. It's nice. And then um, uh, coming out of the uh, water, there's um, kind of a narrow plank. They should have a wider plank uh, because people were having to stop and stand to get up the uh, plank and the water's kind of murky and they were worried about there's kind of little step ups on it you could bang your feet up pretty bad if if you're not careful so they're like careful right here right here you know so people are pausing and what that does is it causes congestion and I'm like man I don't want that other guy to catch me so I start not really pushing or shoving but gently pushing my way between people that are just kind of standing there Cause I'm in a race, man. You know, so I'm like, I'm like, uh, coming through, coming through like that, but not in a jerk way. At least I hope not. And, uh, so I, I push through and then, um, I start running and they have wet foot, wet foot, wet suit strippers. And I ran past them because a DeSoto wetsuit, you can get off, get off nice and easily yourself. And it's a pretty short jog, you know, like 50 yards or something like that to the transition area, maybe. Um, pretty quick, and uh, that's one of the reasons this race is so great. Is the transition area is set up really nice, and the um, the deal was is I I, I uh, oh as I took the Desoto top off, um, it 
popped my goggles off the top of my head and I thought it might have but I wasn't sure so I just kept running and then people yelled you you dropped your goggles so I turned around and grabbed my goggles and that would you know it's five seconds four seconds and then um, turned around and kept running and when I got to my bike I took off the rest of the wetsuit and like I said I was able to find my bike I just put my head down and ran where I thought I was supposed to be looked up and there I was <laughs> and I was in the right spot and looking back now, um, I had no trouble whatsoever running. And a lot of times you come out of the swim and you got a head rush, especially a longer swim, like a half Ironman or longer. Um, you can be kind of tired after that swim. And looking back, I was like, man, I was, I was through that swim and to my bike. A lot of that transition area, transition T1 fast time had to do with, um, good pacing on the swim and uh, uh, fitness so the two weeks leading up before the swim I did 21 hours of training so I think I was just aerobically more fit you know like I was able to, to run and find my bike and uh, found everything uh, put on my helmet you know and clear glasses because it was raining and then um, kind of raining and what I have is clear glasses that I got at a uh, auto shop one time. I, I bought some, you know, protective eyewear. So it was like 10 bucks and they're just clear. I threw them away the, uh, yesterday because they're, they're old and they're all scratched up now. So they don't, I noticed on the bike ride they kind of sucked. And I was like, they used to be great. And uh, so I tossed them yesterday. But I um, hop on the bike. Well, no, I put on my, I put on socks and um, because I've got these blisters on my feet and the um, the socks are going to help with that and so then I put on my cycling shoes this race they do let you leave your bike pump in the uh, transition area and they also let you clip your bike shoes to your pedals if you want and um, you can run to the um, to the bike start and just hop on your bike and then slip your feet into your shoes if you can do that but there's a lot of turns and stuff at the beginning of this race and um, I figured I would just rather run and my bike was right in the middle of the transition area so it wasn't like a really long haul um, with bike shoes on so uh, yeah snapped on the helmet uh, you don't need your race number at this race they've changed the rules on the bike you can put it on just during the run your bike already has a number on it your arms have numbers on it your legs have numbers on it we know who you are. Your helmet has a number on it. Um, so, um, you didn't, I didn't need to put on the race bump. So hopped on the bike, turned on the bike computer, the Sunto Ambit, you know, changed it and then took off. And, uh, like I said, a really, really fast T1. And then I started, uh, hauling ass on the bike and was, um, I'm waiting for this car to go by. Okay, well, I'll go. And the um, the first thing you do when you get on the bike is you wait for your heart rate to start coming down because your heart rate's all crazy from doing the running and the swimming and all that. The running and the swimming. <laughs> and uh, it can be a little weird. So what you do is if you have a power meter is keep an eye on the power and make sure that you're putting out... Um, the right amount of power for your bike ride um, 
because your heart rate is not a good indicator because it's all over the place briefly. And you gotta you gotta wait for it to settle down and um but if you don't push it all waiting for your heart rate to settle down, you're losing time. Uh, you need to put out the right amount of power. And so actually, the uh, very first part of the bike ride, I underpowered it, and I figured it was okay. I could make up for it uh, in the end. And besides, we had a tailwind. And I will pick up with the bike ride here in a little bit. Hold on. All right, I'm back. <laughs> on my way home. But... Only just got a couple, <clears throat> literally a couple minutes here. So I'm on the bike and um, I'm pedaling along and watching my uh, power meter. And the power meter, uh, my goal for the entire bike ride is I did 220 watts. All right, I'm back. Sorry, phone call. Anyway, so um, I I want to average more than 220 watts because I know I'm capable of it now. I've done so much bike work. Um, but I started off on the bike and my legs were a little bit sore. And I was like, yeah, but I went into this race with hardly any taper, just like three days of taper, which isn't enough if this was an A race. So I, um, uh, I noticed that uh, at first, first after a while my average uh watts was like 210 and i'm like oh well that's okay because we got a tailwind and you don't need to put out much power to haul ass right so i just stayed at the at the 210 end of things for a while and then gradually pushed it up uh i hit the lap button on my watch to get a new average every 20 minutes or so 20 to 30 minutes and um then brought it up then started doing 220, and then um, I'll talk about this in a minute. But a, the the last half, the last third of the bike ride, I pushed it. I got up to 220, and then the last third, I I wanted to average more, so I pushed pretty hard and got a overall average of a 225. Which actually, I was kind of doing wanted more like a 230 or so, but the um, but my legs were sore, so I didn't really you know try to kill myself there and then um let's see so anyway i'm 20 minutes in the bike and it's raining sorta it's misting and um and so the weather conditions aren't great but it's not bad because it's a tailwind and the um the uh the riding was kind of pleasant but i'm blowing by people right just like flying past people and i'm like uh wow, I must be awesome. And then I looked at my watts and I'm only putting out very low 200s and I'm like, okay, that's not, I'm not trying all that hard. Um, uh, so this isn't going to last. <laughs> I am not awesome. I'm going to start getting passed by a lot of people pretty quick, you know. So anyway, so I'm riding along for, and for the first 20 minutes, no one passes me, you know, and I'm like, I'm winning. You know, it felt so awesome. I'm like, I'm in the lead. How long will this last? Oh, so enjoy this. You're in the lead. You're in the lead. This is so cool. So I was having a really good time, right? And then 20 minutes in, somebody blows by me with a 41 or a 40 or whatever on their uh, calf. And I was like, well, there it went. That was, <laughs> that was it. And I'm talking about, 
I thought I was going fast. Um, I mean, like blows by me, like I'm standing still. And I was like, wow, that's an Uber cyclist, whoever that is. And then, um, I don't know if it was him that was first. Cause I don't remember who, what the purse, what the people looked like that passed me, except for one person in particular. I remember he passed me and he had on a specific outfit that I remembered cause I passed him back later. And he, um, um, but, uh, Dave Mira was, um, in the race and he's a former, um, BMX world champion. He's like a superstar, uh, cyclist, a BMX cyclist. Um, and he was racing in my age group and I averaged, uh, 24 miles per hour on the bike and he averaged 26 and change, I think on the bike. And he was one of those that uh, passed me on the bike, obviously doing, you know, some insane speed. So that was uh, pretty cool to find out later that I was passed by one of my uh, heroes, you know. So anyway, that's it for uh, now. I'll come back with the rest of the bike ride here in a minute. I got to go run inside and eat some dinner. All right. And we're back. I'm in the house. Just went for an evening road bike ride. And I think I averaged 18.4 miles per hour, which is pretty good for hills and really strong wind on a road bike. Just two days, two days, two days after doing a half Ironman. So I think we're going to hop over to a real quick training tip here. I think I've figured out something that really makes sense. The key to cycling fast over a period of time, you know, like saying a couple hours or something. So you got to race, right? Um, is to be able in training you do this put down even pressure consistent never letting up pressure on the pedals you know making forward progress firm the entire time and but the entire time and in contrast your upper body is really relaxed so it's kind of like a balancing act and it reminds me um, of what we do in swimming, which is to pull firmly with your arms, but and be rotating those, but keep your your um, body, your torso and your legs in a completely different position that's elongated and narrow, right? And then relax and let the arms do the work and. On the um, on the bike, I notice that if you separate the upper body so that it's very very relaxed, and you can breathe, and it's very fluid, just relax the upper body, and let the legs do the work. You're actually letting your breathing mechanism um, get a whole lot of work done, and you're very relaxed. And it's feeding the lower half that's doing the work. Lots of oxygen and extra calories because it's so relaxed. It was really, really nice. Very therapeutic. And then, let's see, do I need to close any of these doors? Emily's borrowing my car tomorrow, so I need to get my stuff out of it for whatever I decide to do tomorrow. And do I need to get this towel? Anyway. 
So while I was biking, I remembered a few things that I wanted to mention on the uh, race. Um, during the race, I averaged 90 RPM, which for me is really high, which is proof that you can practice it in training and it'll show up on race day. I've been working on getting a higher cadence and I did it. I'm sure the past, all the past years, it has been much lower than that. And an average of 90, I remember one time I looked down and I was doing 100, 104, I think. And it wasn't like a freak number. I mean, that's what I was doing. And I was like, okay, you're going to wear yourself out. You don't need to, you don't need to do 104. And let me get this. There's a towel in my car. I might take it to work so I can towel off after I run at lunch or something. And also, I've done just tons and tons of work on my bike position, trying to find something that's comfortable. And I had a wonderful bike ride with no pains, no anything. And I noticed that I was lower, my head position was lower than many other people that were approaching my height, say like six foot. I'm six foot three, and I'm lower to the... uh, to the pavement, as I'd pass them, I'd notice that I was just lower than people that were, um, you know, big guys like me. And I was like, cool, I love that. You know, very comfortable. And let me get this stuff inside. Hey, Kai. I'm recording the podcast. You want to be on it? <laughs> We're going to do your coaching segment? Okay. Let's do it. Not right now, but a little bit later, okay? Okay. You want to do it now? Okay. All right. We're going to briefly do Kai's coaching segment. Intro music. Sing a song. I don't have one. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. Be like, chang, 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 chang. Chang, 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 chang. Kai's. What's the happy song? I don't want to sing it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. You can practice that another time. Here, let's go. Let's go in your uh, coaching headquarters in here. So Kai is very, very much wanting to save up for a mountain bike, a specialized—I can't remember the model—but anyway, it's got gears on it. And so when Kai rides his BMX bike with me, he's all the time having to get off, and I'm having to carry his bike. He's trying to push his bike around. So he talked about. Um, doing extra chores, and then uh, trying to save up money to buy this bike. It's a $360 or something bike. And and then um, today, uh, and he really wants it. He's been doing a lot of chores around the house and, and, you know, a lot of extra stuff, right? Yeah. And um, being a very good, very good kid about it and very diligent. So I'm very proud of him. And... uh, but it's going to take a long time, a long time to, to earn three hundred and fifty dollars. And so, fifty dollars, no, fifty dollars each week. Yeah. So Kai's, Kai's. So then Kai came up with, "Hey, why don't I open a lemonade stand?" And I said, "You know what's even better? Because lemonade stands only open while you're there." And I said, um, "And then I said, what's even better is if you." Do something where you can get some sort of payback from people that appreciate your knowledge on something, and you can help people. I go, what do you know about lemonade? 
That, that it's sweet and that it's liquid, yeah, right? I mean, that's, that, it. that's exactly what I said. And that's about it, right? Yeah. And I said, what do you know about triathlon? And I said a lot. Yeah. So, Kai, how many years have you been a triathlete on a team even? Like three years? Three years, yeah. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out how many triathlons you've done. And it's, I've done like, about 15. Yeah, about 15 triathlons. And Kai is, is one of the top kids in his age group. He's often getting first, second, third, fourth, something like that at races. And he's been coached by really good coaches, lots of coaches on a team. And you just came back from, well, you did soccer practice tonight. But what did you do yesterday for triathlon practice? I swam and I ran. Okay, about an hour each, right? Yeah. And you're nine years old. Yeah. Yeah, so you know what you're doing. And what are you doing tomorrow? Same thing? I don't really know. I think it's bike practice and swim practice. Okay, swim and bike, right? Mm-hmm. And you got a disc wheel on your bike, right? Yeah. Okay, so Kai's kind of a pro here. And so anyway, we thought we would do a segment on the um, on the podcast called Kai's Coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Kai's Coaching for Kids. And this is meant for other kids that listen to the show or parents of kids. And Kai's going to give advice, and I'll lead them along the way. And then if, um, if you feel like he gave good advice that's useful, then think about helping Kai reach his goal towards his bike. And you can go to the Zentri podcast, zentriathlon.com, on the left-hand side of the page, and donate to Kai's bike. And when it says the note, like a comment, when you do the PayPal donation, you can, you can uh, put in there, this is for Kai's bike, thanks for the advice, or whatever, whatever your thing is, but make it you know, for Kai's bike so that I know. So it can go towards his fund, towards his bike. And this way, he's working for a bike, right? Yes. And you're doing something that's online 24-7 that people can listen to, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to actually help people, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so. That's right. It's even better than trying to sell overpriced sugar water. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so we're here on Kai's beanbag in his room, right? And we got Kona. It's headquarters secret. <laughs> Okay, and and the cool thing about the bike is I can go trail running, and then Kai can ride his mountain bike with me. Then you don't really have to push. I don't have to push your bike and pick it up and carry it all the time because you can switch gears, right? Right. And you you will become even a better triathlete, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I said I said, <laughs> oh great, the, the cat lion. just came, the mountain lion just came in. He's purring against the microphone. Okay. He's like, man, Kai's got some advice. I'm ready. Okay, quit dragging it out. All right, so what we're going to do is just one little thing per episode, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk about the swim, the pool swim, right? Because there's open water. You've done an open water swim. You've swam an open water triathlon in Galveston Bay in salt water with, with their sharks and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but that's on Galveston Bay. Okay, so the, um, but today we're going to, most kids' triathlons are in pools, right? So you're going to give us advice for kids and parents, so the parents can pass it on to their kids, about how to do a triathlon swim that's a pool swim, okay? You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, so what do I need to know? What have most of your pool swims been like? Like, how many yards, like up and back or, or what? It's about 400. Yeah? 400 yards? That's pretty wild, man. No, 200. 200. It's 200. Yeah, they might. I think I've, I've seen one up to 400. Okay, so it depends on the age, right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so then you, um, does everybody start in the water all at once? No, you go one at a time. Right, and that's okay? You yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah, so you had some tips, like what do you do when you dive in the water? Do you, do you, do you dive in, or do you jump in, or what do you do? Dive in. So how do you keep the goggles from flying off your face? You do some test dives and make sure that they don't pop off, yeah. right? Yeah. So you know they're not going to come off. Let's say they do come off. What What is something that you've done when you've dove in the water and you... And, I just uh, keep on swimming. Keep on swimming? Mm-hmm. Don't stop, right? Don't stop. Never stop. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Kai's kids coaching, never stop. Okay. Then what happens if you're scared? What do you do? What have you done when you were scared? I just do it. Just do it? Mm-hmm. Just keep going? It'll be over mm-hmm. soon? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you swim freestyle pretty fast, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you breathe on the one side or both sides? Sometimes both sides, sometimes one, t- one side. Why? What's What makes you breathe to two sides? I don't know. You just, you, but, but you've practiced it so you can, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in practice, swim so that you can breathe both sides because sometimes you just need to? Yeah. Okay, let's say that you're there's somebody in your way and you have to go around them. What do you do? You, um... What do you do when there's somebody I go way? to the side, but I don't go into the other lane. Right. I just keep on, I go, I turn, I go to the left and then I go around them. Yeah, you squeeze past them a little bit? Then when I really get in front of them i go back to that side okay that works now what happens a lot of times when you get to the in, the other end of the pool for example there's another lane you have to go through right so how do you get in that other lane the best fastest way you push off streamline and you go um you go under the water mm-hmm. and you don't go over the water, like right. floating on top of the water. So you'll you hit the lane rope. Yeah, you'll hit the lane rope. Right. So you go deep. Deep. And turn a little bit. Yeah, turn a little. Yeah. So how, when you swim, how hard do you swim in this? I'd say medium. You don't want to waste your energy. Yeah. On the whole, th- in this way. I totally agree, man. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then when you. Um, when you get to the other side, let's say let's say it's an up and back, right? Like mm-hmm. it's an up and back swim in like a fifty meter pool. So mm-hmm. that would be a hundred meters, right? Mm-hmm. So the but maybe you do twice. I've seen it where y'all do that twice. You'll do like four lanes or something. Mm-hmm. And then um, what's how do you like to get out of the water and get to the transition area? What do I, you do? Um. So when I get to the end of the pool, I stop then I push up with my hands and get on top do you um, hop up to your feet or do you hop and sit on your butt and then stand up um hop and sit on your butt yeah you think that's faster uh-huh. when I do the hop and then get to my feet sometimes I bang my shins into the yeah, edge it's kind of dangerous yeah <laughs> okay so you suggest that they hop and sit on their butt mm-hmm. hop out sit on your butt then stand now they got their goggles and swim cap on 
do they do they take them off right then or do they just start running and take them off or what do you like to do i like to start running and take them off okay before you get to the transition area okay so they're in your hand now by the time you get to the transition area Okay, so this has been how to do a pool swim for a kid's triathlon. You swim medium, right? Mm-hmm. Hop in, swim freestyle, breathe to whatever size you need to. Practice so you can breathe both sides. If somebody gets in your way, you swim around them. What do you do if somebody uh, tries to pass you? You, well, you don't want to swim faster. Yeah, you need to let them go by? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. What happens if you crash into somebody head on? You start punching them in the face and telling them they're a jerk? No. <laughs> look you on your face. You <laughs> look that. on your face. You're like, what? What a, <laughs> what a horrible person. Okay, so you're nice, right? Mm-hmm. The, sw- the pool is kind of a dangerous thing, right? So people could get hurt and drown, so you need to be kind in the pool, right? Right. Yeah, and help somebody. What if somebody's drowning? What do you do? You help them. You help them, right? We're all people. We all need help. So, okay. And so next week we'll cover open water. Okay. Right. Uh huh. You've you've done like one of those, but you've swam open water lots, mm-hmm. right? At the lake. Lake Bryan uh-huh. for triathlon practice. Yeah, and you've done the Kima Kids, which was open water. Okay, so we'll talk about that next next um, next episode, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was really useful. That's yeah. something that, that adults can use too, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a parent and you're watching um, your kid do a kid's triathlon. Mm-hmm. Cheer them on. Cheer them on, right? But, but they probably can't hear you very well, right? But if you're a kid, don't like look at them because you'll get distracted and a lot of people will pass you. That's true. I see that happen a lot, right? Mm-hmm. What do you like me and mommy to do while you're racing in a in a pool race? Um, I like y'all to cheer on. Uh huh. Do you like where you where we can be where you can see us? Sometimes when I'm breathing, yeah. Yeah, you like that. Uh-huh. You like to know that we're there watching. Yeah. Okay. Do you like to hear us yell your name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can almost always hear your name, but my name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Suji's back. Suji approves of this coaching message. He does. And um, should parents be worried about you, or are you having fun? You're having fun. You're having fun? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not a competition. It's just about having fun. Yeah. That's kind of a competition, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when there's animals in here. Yeah. All right. got to go, go back. Thanks, man. That was really good. Do you have any exit music? <laughs> Kai's coaching. Kai's coaching for kids. Kids, 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 kids. All right. (laughs) That's good, dude. That's good. All right, people, if you found that useful, (laughs) donate to Kai's bike fund. We'll post it online, how how much progress he's making. Okay, out. All right, and we are back. We are leaving the Zentri Home Studios to go to the... Go to the orifice, the work. Oh, this is what I was looking for, this towel. I'm trying to gather up things, turn off lights. Turn off. Turn off lights, turn off lights. My dad, man, jeez. Walk around the house constantly. Turn off the lights! 
Okay, we are now at the front door. Had a really interesting morning. Lock. Boop, boop. And walk down the long estate drive to the car. And we are here. <laughs> Driving Emily's car today. Emily's banged up Honda Civic. Because she's using my car to take Kai's bike. My car has the bike rack. Kai's bike to try practice. That was nice last night, him doing the uh, little coaching bit for us. I hope to turn that into something down the road. Wouldn't that be cool? All right. And I rode my bike this morning and have cool stuff to tell you. We'll get back to the race here in a second. I woke up at 4.30 this morning and decided, well, since I'm up, might as well get on the bike. And did an hour and a half on the trainer. Oh, hear that? Oh, my. Okay, hour and a half on the trainer. And, um, interesting thing when you're training for Ironman, there is no such thing as junk miles. <laughs> as long as you're working out right, it's just volume, volume, volume. And, the whole point is trying to find more time on your feet, more time in the saddle, especially on the bike. Um, as evidence in this race, I went slower on the swim, slower on the run than I usually do. Um, and that's because it's kind of a, well, the swim was choppier and then the run was kind of a, I'll tell you in a minute, was kind of a training day run to kind of experiment to see what happens at different heart rates. And, uh, I still had a seven minute PR because I went so much faster on the bike. So get on the trainer and there's a difference between like a half hour ride. Okay. So like, should you do, what's the difference between doing two one hour bike rides and one two hour bike ride? Well, the two hour bike ride, you've eliminated a little bit of the warm up, and now you're in a sustained state for longer. So it's a much better, it's a much better workout. And then you're doing it. Let's say you do it on the trainer, man. There's no stopping. There's just paddling, you know. So just go. And then um, I'm listening to this audiobook called The Rise of Superman. And it's your typical, you know, get into the state of flow and you can be awesome kind of book. And um, they do talk a lot about flow so on the bike for example and on the run well I guess on this all of it what you're actually looking for is a state of I guess it's homeostasis but um, there's a, a state you can get into of where you're fueling just right and it's feeding the system and then the system is cruising along and burning uh, fat and fuel and carbs and everything feels good. Your position's good, and the system promotes the syst the the action uh, promotes the activity. Okay, so there's a um, there's a type of jet called a scramjet, and what it, it goes so fast that the faster it goes, the more air it rams into the front. Is it called a ramjet? So a scramjet. Yeah, that's 
the more air it rams into the front, the more air it rams into the front, the faster it goes. So it's kind of an out of control death spiral because it just goes faster and faster and faster. So you can kind of do that with uh, your training. You get into the state of flow where it's so good, whatever you're doing, that the whole point that it feels so good that all you want to do is continue doing it, right? You want to continue. And so on the bike this morning, I was like, getting up, all you're working on, all you really want, Brett, as you're training for Ironman Texas, is to just make it feel good so that you want to keep going because it's, it, the whole point is to keep going. Honking at Emily, she's stuck in line, right? Because with Ironman training, it's just volume that makes you better on race day and for most of us. And if you can, um, if, if you can find the trick to keep you going, well, then you'll get more of the volume in, right? So you're constantly asking yourself, you know, what does it take to get into this flow state where I just want to keep going and keep going and keep going? And, um, you know, it's comfort. It's definitely comfort. And it's the right amount of fueling, not too much, not too little. And um, what is it? Is it music? Is it is it videos? Um, what's going to keep you in that flow state so that you get an hour and a half in instead of just 30 minutes, right? And that you're happy about it. Everything's fine as long as you're happy about it. The state of the world is fine as long as you're happy about it, you know? And so uh, one of the examples in the book, again, it's uh, the rise of Superman. One of the examples in the book is this guy built a ramp to uh, skateboard a, a jump, jump a skateboard over the Great Wall of China. And he, when he did it, he broke a world record. And then he figured, well, it felt so good, and the ramp's there. Um, well, he did it like three more times or something like that. And then he started doing like 360 spins or something in, in it while he was doing the jump. And, you know, just setting world records. And he was doing it because it just felt great. So once he figured out, you know, the mechanics that make it work, then it's addictive, you know, to, to keep going and keep doing it. So anyway, that was my bike ride this morning. I was listening to Pandora uh, music, Alice in Chains and Meta old Metallica and uh, Godsmack, things like that. And I'm just riding along and really enjoying the, um, the metabolic state of that heart rate's good, power's good, comfort's good. I got a little bit of a boil of an ingrown hair on the uh, right crizotch, <laughs> right side, because I got one of these double prong saddles. And uh, I'm kind of, I'm working with that. That's my difficulty right now. My Zen, uh, my Zen training is, you know, how do I deal with that? But anyway, so let's go back to the race. So, so I'm riding my bike this morning and I'm just kind of looking at my aero bars, feeling things with my hands. And I'm like, man, these uh, Zip VUCA return to center R2C shifters sure were nice during the race. So during the race, I'm cruising along and I've, uh, if you listen to the last podcast, I upgraded my bike with new shifters because my old ones were falling apart. And so I decided to buy nice ones and I couldn't afford the, um, the electronic shifters. That's out of my price range by a lot. So I, um, 
I bought these uh, return to center aerodynamic shifters, and man, are they freaking cool! And they worked great during the race. And during the race, I had I was like, man, usually when I race or I go for a training ride, I'm irritated. Just you know, just a little bit. It's like a sand that creates a pearl. I'm just irritated, just enough to be annoyed by the um, by the lack of aerodynamics in my old style shifters with levers like sticking up and looking all stupid. I got a guy that just decided to run right up on my rear. Anyway, so then uh, let me cruise control. I'm at 73. We got a 70 mile, 75 mile per hour freeway. And uh, there we go. And the uh, where did I leave off? It's hard to think when you got a guy sitting on your uh, on your rear windshield. But you can go around, dude. You're super awesome. You got it. You can do 90 miles an hour. It's cool. The uh, so I'm riding along. Oh, and then my cadence was in the upper 90s. And uh, sometimes, off and on, we already talked about that. And um, on the way out, there was a tailwind. And you can only go so fast with your um, with your ability. So I sat up because um, now the wind isn't a problem. It's just road friction. So sitting up or sitting down doesn't really matter that much. And uh, so I would sit up every once in a while and then, uh, you know, just kind of riding along. And so then um, a couple other guys passed me. They're in my age group and it's an out and back. So I um, turned around and on purpose on my bike computer, um, not looking, I don't have speed displayed because that's a trap, you know. It's like, well, I, I averaged 20 five miles an hour on the way out well I need to average 25 miles per hour on the way back well on the way back you got a headwind and the um, uh, trying to average 25 miles per hour on the way back would be a disaster because now you're trying too hard and um, you're going to blow up right so anyway I turn around and on the way back now we've got a uh, the wind kind of shifted directions kind of near the turnaround and so now it's a crosswind which and a little bit of a headwind but no nowhere near the um the headwind that we were going to have to turn into this there was a front that came through anyway so it, it made the bike speeds just a little bit faster like a couple minutes and the um oh i was mentioning that on the um the bike is a significant portion of the race, uh, more significant than the swim and the run. So for a lot of us, um, investing time in the bike will actually improve your uh, race time because you'll be faster on the bike. As long as your run is okay, um, and investing time on the bike will make your bike time a little bit faster and you won't be um, so fatigued from the bike so that when you do run, your run can be a little bit more relaxed and uh, less stressful. Okay, so um, on the way back, now I'm having to uh, to make up 
for the lack of power on the way out. So on the way out, I averaged um, 220 by the time I got to the turnaround and 220 watts. And then, um, so on the way back, I'm like, well, I know I'm capable of more than that and let's try it. So I pushed a little bit harder on the way back. And by the time I finished the bike ride, I was at, um, 225 watts, which means on the way back, I probably, you know, on the way out, I averaged 220 and on the way back, I averaged probably like 230. So that was nice. And I was surprised I didn't average a little bit more than that, but I'm like, well, you know, I hardly tapered at all and my legs were a little bit sore on the bike. So that probably has explains why, um, on the way back, uh, the last couple miles, last mile for sure is a uh, pretty rough pavement, except for that section. The pavement is gloriously smooth and beautiful and wonderful. The course is just incredible, um, safe and uh, just nice. And the, um, uh, there's a couple of those speed bumps that have, um, that are, aren't rigid speed bumps. They're more like, um, a big lump, you know, speed bump. And, um, there's a guy in front of me, way in front of me that was cresting one. And I don't think it was really the speed bump itself that did this, but, uh, he was cresting one. And when he was at the top of it, um, his rear wheel blew out and it went blam. And he was skidding all over the place, trying to control that bike. At that point we had turned and we had a little bit of a tailwind. So and this was a fast guy I could tell. Um, and he, so he's probably doing 30 miles an hour and his rear wheel blows out. I've had this happen. You, you still can steer kind of, but your back end is on like ice and it's like sliding all over the place and you're trying not to hit other people. And, uh, that was crazy. And, um, there was occasionally people on the side of the road, uh, you know, with flat tires and, and things like that. And that really sucks. And that hasn't happened to me in a while. So it's, it's due to happen. Um, and then, uh, let's see, um, the pavement, <clears throat> if you ever do this race, hold on on the pavement across that airport runway because it is rough. Um, it's square blocks of concrete that were laid down, you know, for this airport. And there's a big section of it where they don't use it anymore. So there's grass that's grown up like weeds and stuff between the, um, the sections. So it's, so it's bumpy and, um, you know, like tiles of concrete that are, you know, 10 by 10 or something like that, but you're doing like a really high speed. So you're hitting these things at off angles and, and, and whatever. I mean, it is crazy. And you, um, it knocked my bike computer upside down and it knocked my aero bottle. And I remember it did this last year too. It knocked my aero bottle, um, almost completely off my aero bars from the, from the bouncing around. And, uh, that was pretty, pretty crazy. And okay. So now we're rolling into uh, T2, which was the same transition area as T1 and getting ready to start the run. And we'll pick up with the, uh, the rest of the race review from there. All right. Out Bing. All right. We are back. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful evening. I'm going to go for a bike ride and swing by Kai's, um, bicycle practice for triathlon. And, uh, we got an email from his teacher at school saying what a great kid he is. And she's just happy to have him in her class. 
unsolicited email just saying that. So uh, that's great, man, as a parent. And then having them on the, on the podcast, giving advice of uh, triathlon stuff, that's like a little dream come true, man. I'm really proud of them. Okay, the, um, the bike, uh, just a little ways into the bike, let's say like 20 or 30 minutes, I reached down for more fuel from my fuel bottle. I mixed up a whole bunch of gels into a bottle. Yeah, you're not going to run that red light, dude. Sorry. Anyway, the... Um... <laughs> the uh... So I reached down and I was like, whoa, there is not much of this fuel bottle left. I think I've drank too much fuel too fast. And then um, later in the bike ride, I uh, felt that way as well. I was like, I started burping a little bit. And I was like, oh, dang it. You know, I've probably drank, ate too much fuel too fast. And um, what I'd done was I figured 500 calories an hour. I weigh 175, 176 pounds, you know, and it's a half iron man. I'm going pretty hard. So uh, 500 calories per hour. Uh, so, and it's going to be two hours and change. I figured two hours and 20, two hours and 30 minutes, something like that. So I put in 12 gels. And the nice thing about mixing gels in one of these bottles is um, they mix up really easily and you can put in as much caffeine or as little caffeine as you want, right? So out of those 12 gels, 10 of them were regular and two of them were um, caffeinated. So basically the equivalent of a cup of coffee while on the uh, bike ride, right? So it's nice. But anyway, I kind of... Well, I didn't kind of screw up. I, I screwed up pretty decently. It kind of messed up my race a little bit. But um, I, uh, I ate the fuel too fast. And um, the bottle is opaque. And I'm thinking about instead getting a transparent bottle. And it's an arrow bottle, so it costs money to buy one of these. Um, you know, I really should do that. So that I see how much fuel I have left. Because when it's opaque, you can't really tell. So you can't meter out. Like, as obviously, you're doing it by feel, like shaking the bottle. And that could be um, that could be misleading. So, yeah, I really should do that. Um, get a clear bottle. So the um, towards the end of the bike ride, I, I didn't feel really sick to my stomach, but I could tell I'd eaten too much fuel, and now it was time to uh, to not do much. Okay, and then we're gonna get to the run. On the run, um, I realized well, I wasn't feeling good on the run. And then the next day I realized, well, I was running on basically 12 gels. <laughs> and that's fine if you drink enough water to dilute it. And I'd only drank a couple of bottles of water. And so that's not enough water for as much uh, gels as that I ate. Like nowhere near enough. So that explains why I didn't feel good. So then um, on the... Uh, Transition two, I ran in, used that pavement marking to get my uh, bike where it needed to be really, really quick. Had a really fast T2 and um, took off on the run. And then I noticed on the run immediately that I was, uh, well, looking back, that I was actually immediately feeling good, which is pretty cool, uh, which means I didn't bike too, too hard. So that was nice. And then... Um, a lot of times I have a numb left foot 
and it's because of my bike position. So, and I didn't have that this time. And so that means I've really improved my bike position so that I don't get numbness and weird things like that. So that was really good. And then, um, after running a bit, I did get pain in my calves of all things. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but that was pretty much it. And I, um, just kind of settled in and started running and, um, then it was time to experiment with math. So on this podcast, we talk a ton about math, maximum aerobic function. If you go over a certain heart rate and there's an easy formula, it's 180 minus your age. Um, but, basically what you do is in train you start with that and then in training you kind of fiddle around with how it feels and you can kind of learn what it feels like to go anaerobic versus aerobic and um, if you run below that heart rate you should be able to uh, to um, sustain yourself for a long long time and just run and then if you run over that heart rate well, eventually you're going to pop because you're um, uh, you're going anaerobic, and you can only do that for so long before you run out of energy. And um, so, in a long distance race, you want to stay aerobic, so you want to stay under a certain heart rate. And you're and so, let's say you're kind of new to endurance sports, or you're yeah, you're new to endurance sports, and I told you, and let's say you're 40 years old, and I said, um, so your maximum aerobic heart rate is 140 because it's 180 minus your age. So it'd be 140. And then a new person that's new to endurance sports would go run and go like, holy crap, my heart rate's nowhere near that low. If I run with my heart rate that low, I can only run like an 11 or 12 minute mile. And, um, I would tell you, and so you're like, that, that, I'm, I'm different. This doesn't apply to me. And I would tell you that every single person that starts out training right says that exact same thing. Every single person. And then when they finally get fit, however they get fit, if they do it the right way or if they do it the wrong way, it takes longer, they go, wow, this is true. <laughs> My, my heart rate did come down. Wow. Holy cow. So you need to be able to run as fast as you can at, a, uh, at that lower heart rate, right? If you're not happy with the results, well, then you're not happy with reality and you need to train more to get that heart rate down. You need to get fast. So in my case, um, if I can, I need to get my speed at a 135 heart rate, um, faster right so um gary the guy i usually race against in this race isn't there this year and i don't know anybody in the race and i'm training for ironman texas really so i'm not going to kill myself in this race to um to get a placing to go as fast as i possibly can right and i'm like well let's just run um, let's experiment with this math thing and see what really happens. Got a half marathon laid out here in front of me. I'm off the bike. I kind of want to see all this math training, how it actually ends up holding up in a race. So let's pretend like I'm doing Ironman Texas and I've got to run a full marathon, right? And I'm wearing a heart rate strap and I'm looking at my Asunto Ambit 2 
and reading the heart rate. So I start running and I run at a heart rate of like um, 138, something like that, right? And I can run along just fine. I'm just cruising along and I hit the splits on my watch every at every mile marker and this goes on, you know, like three, four miles and I'm like, oh, I'm averaging a seven, like a 745, you know, at a, um, at math, right? And after the race, I was talking with Gary and, uh, and, uh, he was saying, um, I was telling him that if he'd been at the race, um, that I would have gone faster. And he's like, well, you know, cause we're guys and we're competitive. And he's like, well, I don't know about that. You know? And then I'm like, no, seriously, my heart rate, <laughs> if we look at my heart rate, the first part of the run, I'm just jogging and I'm doing it because there's nobody there that I know personally that I'm trying to compete against. So I'm just, I'm doing actually Ironman Texas kind of experimenting to see what happens, you know? So I'm just jogging along. The uh, years before when I raced Gary, as soon as I hit the run, I pegged it out, you know, like killing myself to freaking run. I was running it like way higher heart rate to, uh, to try to beat Gary. And, uh, and one year I did, and then the next year I didn't. So, I mean, like we're really, really competitive, like close in line with each other. So, um, I, uh, so I'm running along. And so then after a while, I'm like, okay this is amazing. It made me so happy. I can't tell you guys how happy I was. I was like, this math stuff is for real, man. And then I go, okay, I'm going to push the pace a little bit to over 140 and see if I can, um, if I can, uh, still eat and drink. So I push it over 140 to like 145, right? So I'm running a little bit faster. And, um, all of a sudden I start feeling sick to my stomach uh, I can't eat, I can't drink, heart rate starts climbing, you know, and I'm like, whoa. So this would be a dumb idea at Ironman Texas to do this right from the start. So then I back off again, back down to uh, sub 140, and all of a sudden I'm fine again, and I'm cruising along, and just like, wow, this is really, really cool. So, um, and I was having the time of my life, and I'm doing a sub 8, right, so I'm like, I'm happy, I'm like, like, this is really good. If I did a sub eight pace at uh, Texas, Ironman Texas, I would be like so, so happy. And um, so anyways, I'm on cloud nine, just jogging along. And about halfway through the, through the uh, marathon, I go, okay, it's, this is a race. <laughs> I do want to see what I could actually do. So let's pick up the pace a little bit. And I start pushing the pace back up to um, anaerobic, like into the 150 something heart rate. And, uh, and I start feeling sick to my stomach, and um, and then I realize, yeah, man, that eating too much on the bike is making me sick now on the run. And um, up until now on the run, I've only eaten just the tiniest, tiniest bit, like a half a cup of Gatorade, and I've been sipping on water. And then I realize, as the uh, as the half marathon goes on, that I start pushing the pace and running faster and faster. Uh, my stomach gets more and more upset and I can't even take water down. My, my stomach hurts if I drink water and that's just like on the last couple of miles. And then so the, it's three loops and Kai and Emily came out and uh, saw me like 
on each loop and stuff like that. It was really a lot of fun. And then um, several times on each loop. And then, um, so like the last, the last loop for sure, um, maybe a little bit before that, I really started running pretty fast and stretching my stride out and, um, and just gutted it, gutted it out, even though my stomach was hurting, uh, pretty bad. And so when I finished, I realized I had maybe eaten a hundred calories on an entire, on that entire half marathon. And I was like, man, that's impressive. And, uh, I mean, it's sad, but it's also impressive what you can do on, on, uh, when you need to on almost nothing. And then on, uh, and then no water, even the last, cause it, that made my stomach hurt. Um, the last third or maybe even the last half, yeah, last time. But anyway, the marathon went by really fast. The bike ride went by really fast. So I was I was both like super super excited at at how pleasant the run was, and that you can actually run these things, you know, like in a nice mode and like really enjoy it and still run kind of fast. And um, and that's the way racing should be. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is really nice. I'm just running along, you know, like, wow. And I just kept, kept thinking about Ironman Texas. What if, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but what, I get up, what if I get off the bike, Ironman Texas, and I start my marathon, and I just run at a 130-something heart rate, you know, and just just jog, you know, and just jog through it. Um, if, if I ate right and I don't screw up my gut, then I would have plenty of energy and uh, would really enjoy the run. It wouldn't that be nice? I mean, like, so I saw. I was so happy because I saw a lot of potential for what could happen. I was a little bit disappointed. Well, a lot disappointed, and that I'd eaten my fuel too fast on the bike, so it was making my stomach hurt. Because like, if this race went on much longer, I would eventually bonk because I wasn't able to eat because of the um, of the forced exertion there towards the end and, and eating too much on the bike. And I, on slow twitch. There was an interview with Dave Mira, the uh, BMX guy, and they asked him what he ate, and he got fourth in my age group. I got ninth on the swim with a 31, um, 16th on the bike with a 220, which is 24 miles an hour, and then uh, 21st on the run with like a 142 or something like that, uh, half marathon. And the um, last year I got 10th on the swim instead of 9th on the swim, and uh, but with a 30-minute swim. So I went a minute slower, but I actually do better the rougher the water is, I guess, compared to other people. Because I was a minute slower but still was one place higher um, than everybody else and then um, on the bike I was one position faster um, because like last year apparently I was 17th and this year I was 16th now you're getting down the splitting hairs and then um, on the uh, on the run I was a minute slower this year uh, than last year and last year I got like 18th place and this year I got 21st by the time I crossed the finish line. But anyway, I came across the finish line, arms up over my head, just like, yeah, man, like a really successful race. I learned a lot um, about nutrition and everything. And the photo series from this race, um, 
um, I definitely look like super lean and muscular and like, like an Iron Man. That's, that's my whole goal, you know, like, am I doing it right for Iron Man? And the photos that I'm looking at are like, yes, you're definitely doing it right. I'm coming off the bike with, with, uh, without many problems, uh, the nutrition problem separate, but like without many aches and pains, um, I've, I've learned how to do math, how to bring the, the heart rate down so that I can sustain and, um, and go longer. And everything was just awesome, like all the way through. Uh, the whole thing went faster because I was more clear because I was doing aerobic math. Um, I've definitely got a, you know, like a path set in front of me of like what could be if I stick with this and I uh, keep getting faster and faster at this. So anyway, that's it. I need to uh, go inside and make a sandwich and then hop on the bike. <laughs> go see Kai. All right, out. Bing. We got a lot more. All right. This should be the last entry. For the training log for this episode, leaving the pool, one hour math swim. Just swim for an hour as fast as you can go and keeping it aerobic without killing yourself. And trying not to go too tempo or anything like that because you got to keep swimming day after day after day. Anyway, um, 3,850 meters, it's almost 2.4 miles. I was swimming bilateral to try to clean up my uh, form a little bit. If you breathe to one side, you end up getting all twisty in the water after a while, bending too much and uh, relying on that. So swimming bilateral forces you to swim straighter, your body, torso straighter. So I was doing that. So I'm not used to breathing on my left side. So swimming almost as fast as I swim breathing on one side is actually pretty nice because now I'm throwing in something different. Okay. Um, what did we do? Uh, let's see. Oh, the cross finish line of the race. Um, man, I was sore afterwards <laughs> for a couple of days and, uh, then went swimming. I think we talked about that kind of loosened things up. Um, I didn't taper very much for this race and I didn't chill out too much afterwards. This race was more of a workout for a, um, for Ironman Texas. So, and to figure out what I'm doing wrong so I can start doing it better uh, and what's left to train for, for, um, you know, what to work on between now and Ironman Texas, like six weeks. What did I mess up on and what worked right, you know? So what I messed up on was, uh, oh, and the family had a blast. So, oh, and there was something else too. The family had a blast. Galveston is just a really cool um, place to go. It's really laid back. Um, it's not that expensive and um, it's beachy, you know, it's pretty cool, man. <clears throat> it's my home surf break right now. It's along the seawall, like uh, 31st Street, across from Academy is where I used to go surf all the time. So the um, a cool comment thread on Slow Twitch that popped up was uh, people just being appreciative of how and noticing how Texans at Galveston and, and uh, Austin and um, Ironman Texas, kind of, uh, but definitely people don't draft in Texas on the bike, and culturally here, it's not cool. So if you want to do a race where you're not pissed off because there's people drafting off of each other, 
uh, come to Galveston. Um, it's just not accepted here, and people will freaking get in your face and tell you to cut it out if you're drafting. And um, I was in a race where I was not drafting, and I had a guy start yelling at me that I was drafting. <laughs> and I was like, dude, four bike lengths. Actually, it was a USAT. It was three bike lengths. Uh, so I was like, dude, I'm fine. But anyway, four bike lengths in a uh, WTC race, World Triathlon, Ironman brand. And, um, you know, coming from a later wave towards the front, um, you're passing a bunch of people so you can use a slingshot effect. You got to be a little careful and not get too close to people, but you, you draft off of them as you pass them. So you come up behind them and swing past. You got like 15 seconds or something to fully, oh, maybe it's seven seconds. But anyway, so um, even though it's steady state, uh, triathlon steady state, you still got to practice in training the um, accelerating briefly to get past somebody so you're going about the same speed as somebody and you don't want to be drafting and you especially don't want to be caught for drafting penalized for drafting when you're not meaning to so you got to put out an extra 50 watts or so to get past them just briefly so it's something to practice in training you know um then it's then it's a whole lot easier uh galveston another example thing about galveston is that it's um there's no hills so you have to be able to sustain a, uh, a, a cadence and a wattage with no breaks for two, three hours, however long it's going to take you. And that can challenge a lot of people that are used to training on hilly terrain and using the downhills to, to uh, coast and get a break. Um, okay, so anyway, um, fam- I managed to uh, twist this whole thing around into the family really enjoying it, which as those of you with that do triathlon with a family know is a <laughs> it's probably more of an accomplishment than anything else <laughs> they were excited and had fun um so the um so that's a huge uh, plus but anyway uh what i need to work on is and i've already started these uh training days i've been doing since then get right back into training and um working on not overfueling and trying to find that uh the right amount of fuel that makes me feel good, but isn't in a 10, 20, 30 minutes going to start making me uh, upset to my stomach. So um, yesterday's run, I kind of did that. I was like, maybe I should feel with a little bit less and then uh, and get into that, you know, high aerobic uh, fat burning zone still and, and see, and it, and it worked. And then... Um, Last night's bike ride, I went for an hour and 17 minutes, this loop, and uh, instead of, I, you know, I, I backed off the fuel a little bit and kind of felt, was patient and kind of felt for, you know, what, what gave me the fastest amount of speed aerobically um, on the right amount of fuel, and that worked as well. On a road bike in, in windy conditions, you know, like 10, 15 mile an hour winds, nothing insane, but you know, went breezy, um, for an hour and 17 minutes on rolling terrain, not really hilly, but just rolling. I averaged on a road bike, I averaged 18.8, you know, and I'm like, man, and I was only in the drops just a little bit. And, um, and my road bike is not aero <laughs> by any means. It's a round tube 
titanium uh, just you know road bike that's just a classic I, I, it's new but it's designed like a classic so I just love it so um, and I'm wearing a jersey that's flapping in the wind and I'm like 18.8 man so um, I called Morgan I go, man a freaking average 18.8 on a road bike and um, on not much fuel so like I was um, well it's not it's not that it's not much I want to I want to clarify something there's I think we need to get away from high carb, low carb, you know, whatever, because it tends to lead people down, uh, going a direction to extremes. The actual right thing is to feel, do workouts and experiment and find out what works for you and what the right feeling is and about how long it takes for the fuel you take to start working and then if you take what what is too much, you know, how does that feel? How much is that? How much does that feel? And what is too little? And then also how water affects that because, um, you know, you dilute it. Uh, if it's not diluted enough, it doesn't work. If it's diluted too much, it doesn't work. But if it's diluted just right, it does work. The amount of dilution depends on the heat and how hydrated you are and how much you've been eating, you know, all that cool stuff. So um, that's that. So that's this episode Let's see. Oh, so, oh, and then this morning, this morning, this morning swim, I did the same thing. I had um, a little bit less breakfast than usual. And then um, I had a water bottle. I'm noticing that I need a little bit more water and um, a little bit less carbs than what I've been doing. And I, I seem to be able to stay at a higher aerobic pace um, and sustain that. And it, and it sustains itself like by itself. It's really interesting. And then, um, after the workout, eat a bunch of carbs, not a bunch, I don't know, you know, just whatever, whatever's left in my fuel bottle and maybe half of a Lara bar or an Amrita bar or something, or maybe a whole one, and then um, just move on with my life, and that seems to uh, be all right. Anyway, um, so that's what I'm working on. I'm very self-conscious about, uh, you know, I'm going to do some longer workouts where I'm like, oh, if I go really, really long and then try to run, um, long bike ride and then try to run have I eaten enough or am I blowing up and you know like Jesse Kropelnicki says you got to eat enough so that when you hit that run and it's hot and you don't want to eat um, that you're not uh, blowing up from not having enough fuel so it gets tricky very very tricky so the best way is to experiment and find out and let's get away from this whole high carb low carb it's right carb <laughs> right carb for you man and Let's see. It depends on, there's so many factors that make you, you right now and where, where you are and what you are totally and what you've been and what you're going to do totally, uh, you know, changes your, your fueling plan and you get to be an expert in that, then, um, your whole, your whole setup, your whole, uh, triathlon lifestyle probably be a whole lot better. You don't need to worry about all this high carb, low carb, are you following somebody's dogma? Um, you just know what works for you. Okay. Then, oh, well, and that, that leads me to say, you know, a lot of the stuff that you read is one person figuring out what works for them and then, and then yelling about it. Like it, it works for everybody, you know, to sell, to sell, uh, you know, whatever their thing is, um, and to get attention like, well, I got it all figured out. No, they don't. Nobody does. Okay. So then let's see next episode. I'm going to try to try to get some interviews lined up again and uh, get you more news and the triathlon season is heating up and we're going to start trying to grow my 
my volume up. Eventually, um, a couple weeks out from Ironman Texas, I want to be peaking at, <laughs> I'm saying this, but who knows if it's going to happen, 27 hours a week to see if it's possible and to see what it does. <clears throat> and um, future episodes will be more about the the art of trying to fit that all that crap in without pissing off everybody around me and without feeling guilty about it so it's got it you got to be like a, a scheduling ninja you know and um yeah so we'll figure out you know how hard that is and the things i learn i'll uh, pass on to y'all from down here in texas okay that's it everybody stay safe out there work the uphills cruise the downhills unless you're at gallison and keep the rubber side down out down